0: And we know that um, the the two doses of the vaccine offer very limited protection, if any.
1: The two doses of the vaccine offer very limited protection, if any.
2: There comes a time when you do have to give up what you consider your individual right of making your own decision
1: for the greater good of society.
3: to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Friday, January 14th, 2022. Hooray! I finally figured out that it's 2022. Thank you for joining me today. I'd like to start off again with one other thing that I continue to forget to say that I've been wanting to say in general, which is I'd like to just give a quick shout out To a huge fan of The Last American Vagabond, specifically The Daily Wrap-Up, and that is Harold, I appreciate you being such a huge fan of the show and continuing to tune in, as well as all of you in the chat. Thank you all for continuing to be here and continuing to fight for the truth and objectivity at the end of the day. We have a really powerful show for you today. might be a longer one. I hope you'll stay tuned all the way till the end. We have some interesting topics to cover. Of course, alleged Russian false flags we'll touch on in the beginning just to kind of point out that this is still ongoing. We will be discussing a little bit of censorship, some interesting conversations around the collapsing of the narrative, but really the the walking back of the narrative, which is the same thing in a way, but a great article from the Off Guardian that we'll start off early in the show today to really make a great point that we've been circling around. And I still think they're doing such a great job over there at the Off Guardian explaining to you in a really solid way why this is not so much a, you know, they're failing and we're winning. And I mean, it is to a degree that I do believe that you out there fighting for this have had an absolute, a powerful effect on this. You are the reason this is happening. But this is something I think is always factored in from the beginning, that it never happens right out of the gate. It's never the first try, or rarely. They plan for the advancement, and then the tactical retreat and the fortification, and then the pause until we pretend we're back to normal. And then they begin again. And this is something that is classic historical tactical military kind of mindset, but as well as US government policy, and not just US government, but that's the context that I'm looking at it from today, or in which I'm looking at it today. But worldwide, this has been something governments have used in war in in, psychological operations in many different facets of manipulation. And we can see today that this is a large degree, in my opinion, or is to a large degree, in my opinion, what is very clearly happening. And the off guardian just lays this out in such a great way. And the point being that we shouldn't get too excited. We take, take, be happy that it's changing, that we had that effect, but make sure that we don't lose focus. As we always say, stay vigilant. We must do that. Be on guard for the next QAnon, the next Russiagate, you know, whichever side of the two-party paradigm you find yourself on, hopefully neither, and how those type of things were used to drive you back into the narrative from one way or the other at a time when people were screaming about anti-establishment concepts and then, you know, the 2016 saw it all wrapped right back in. We are at a moment of just almost unprecedented awareness that we need to capitalize on. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to get into some more in regard to the UK and Scotland data. As you might have seen the same day, if not right afterward, Scotland's mainstream media came out and pointed out exactly what we were reporting. Even though we were called fake news by the, the entire Twitterverse, people were saying, you misunderstood that. You don't understand these things. And that's what they're saying as well. On that note, more than one, in fact, things that I have to cover today that I made mistakes on. As we all are capable of doing. And I'll make it clear, hopefully, why I think I made those mistakes and why it's always for me. I'm really, I, I always do this. It's, when it, it's a secondary point, something that I'm making a very clear point that I researched to hell and back. And then I'm, there's a secondary point that I make to try to add to it. And often at times I'm not as. Anyway, the point is we'll go through it and I'll make it clear why I made certain mistakes that I did in regard to the one dose discussion. Plenty of you reached out and thank you for doing so because it's important not only that we are accurate, but that we follow up and address things when they're not done correctly. And I do my best, as always, as well as some information around the CDC data. We will be talking about the booster dose in regard to the WHO and what they have to say about it. And the top of that, as you saw in the title, immune-mediated hepatitis, specifically with Moderna, but mRNA in general, as it's both of them you'll see in the study, not a coincidence, but confirmed, according to the Journal of Hepatology. Of course, that's going to be dismissed as fake news, and this highly regarded outlet will suddenly be conspiracy theory the moment that they challenge the narrative, and we'll talk about the mysterious brain illness that baffles scientists in Canada seemingly every month for the last two years. They just can't get a wrap around it, except the weird, interesting thing is that the vaccine has been there this whole time, and they failed to look at that. And of course, collapsing athletes to finish, as I said, a lot to talk about today, so stay tuned all the way till the end. Oops, that's not the one I want to start with beginning off with some foreign policy here. I really want to give a, a, an outstanding shout out to Dara, excuse me, uh, uh, Robert Inlakesh and his just tireless efforts to keep up on foreign policy and what's going on around the world. As I told uh, Jason Bermas in a recent interview we had, this is something Robert was already immediately looking into and recently put an article about the Kazakhstan riots. Now, this is an interesting conversation that I hope you will dive into deeply because there's a lot around this. And you know, we've been talking about the idea of regime change and false flags and this kind of stuff for a long time. So it's interesting the timing of this when all of a sudden they're going, look over there, Russia's about to carry out a false flag, which you know is per- certainly possible. Have they? Of course they have. Can they? Of course they can. But it's interesting to see where the information is coming from. But before we go to that, make sure you check out the regional dimensions and the implications of what's really going on in the situation and find out that Kazakhstan has a massive. I, I have to scroll real quickly to find the exact percentage. I think it was twenty something percent of the world's. Uh, I'll see now. I'm going to blank on it all of a sudden. New is a, a nuclear asset in general. I don't want to say the wrong one because shoot, there it is. Right. I uh, know that was the. I don't want. I, I was basically plutonium or something like this, and I don't remember exactly which one it was. Thirty percent of all extraction in the country is conducted by the Chinese, and this is in regard to their resources in general, the reason I'm just pausing is I swear that I grab it out of there really quickly. At any point, the larger point being that they have a huge asset of what's very important to people's nuclear programs. Now, this is a big deal, obviously. Now, you have the Chinese and you have all these different massive global powers kind of vying for this control, right? So what we're talking about here is whether or not what happened there, the riots and the pushback against the government, was actually organic. Now, the premise of this is it ties back to oil, to prices of gas and how people were upset, how it went up incredibly. And then all, when, when that was corrected, and this is a point that I always point out, uranium, thank you, thank you. Now, th- th- I just couldn't remember the term. Now, the point that I always make about these locations in the past, you will see that people stand up and are upset. Now, does that happen organically around the world? Of course it does. People do that all the time. But then when you notice then something changes, all of a sudden they give them what they wanted and it doesn't go away. It's not like they're just arguing for something different. They're arguing based on the same platform, but yet the riots get worse and things get crazier. That's when you need to ask yourself, is this something being taken advantage of? Was there an organic movement? Most likely in many cases, or at least a sentiment that they get tapped into, but then governments from the outside abuse those things, create more violence. They do it in your countries too. If you're an American, they do it to you. We're talking about the governments of your location. We see this in the United States all the time, where your government will create violence or create the context to which they can shut you down. That's what we might think about here. Now, my opinion, 100% what's happening. We are watching a play for more power. And guess who takes the brunt of that? The average people who just want it to stop. Please check this out. There's a lot going on. I'm sure Robert will follow up more with that. On top of that, in regard to more foreign policy, Guess what just happened again for the thousandth time? Two wounded in Iraq, rocket attack, sources say. And just when the COVID narrative is in full meltdown, the Associated Press is reporting that people have been injured after rockets hit the area where, of course, the U.S. government is illegally occupying Iraq, which whose fault would that be then, right? Let's be real here. Just because they're Americans doesn't mean be, anything happens there is suddenly a catastrophically important, like nobody being injured, American or otherwise, should be something we don't care about. But the reality is that government, whatever government it is, in this case, the U.S. government, is illegally occupying Iraq. In fact, they even voted to have them pushed out, and they didn't care, as they pretend they care about their democracy and their, their sovereignty. The bottom line is they're there illegally. We all know that. That's very clear. So when, it, when groups attack them for doing so, and they frame it as being a terrorist attack, fighting it, that's ridiculous. Bottom line, it's the same concept we'll get into next with the Russians back and forth. The U.S. government is disgustingly hypocritical about the way that they frame anything they do as positive and anybody, anybody they don't like, Russia, China, does as negative, even if it's the exact same action. That's ridiculous. We as Americans need to start recognizing this. The COVID narrative has exposed a lot of this, but we're still a little bit touchy when it comes to things like this because we pretend it makes you un-American. In fact, it makes you literally the most American type of stance you could take or a person by pointing out the faults of your government. Historically, that has always been the case. In fact, people, primary American figures of the past have always said that. To blindly follow your government or your president is servile and pathetic. This has been quoted, and I'm paraphrasing from many different times in the past. But this is going to be used. I bet it consumes the news cycle, I said. But I missed it by just a touch. Here's the actual rockets flying and so on. And as always, not to dive in too deep, as as Doom points out, it's the same damn story every single time, just like it happened in the, the Palestinian and the occupied Palestine discussion. Every Oh, look, more rockets hit an open field. Isn't that strange? And then they bomb through five locations. It's the same thing every time, and it's embarrassing. Every time we have a truck drive up with a rocket launcher. How many trucks with rocket launchers do they have? Because they leave it every time. Fire one rocket, leave some in the thing, and then run away and leave the truck there. That's really stupid. But whatever. It happens all the time over and over, and it gets used to continue to justify their stance. But I was wrong. It didn't consume the cycle, because you know what ended up doing it or uh, consuming it? This story. (laughs) which is the same thought. It's the same idea. It's just another vein of the same kind of manipulation. The U.S. accuses Russia of planning a false flag operation in eastern Ukraine. Now, let's be clear. Is Russia capable, like I said before? Yes. Would they? I have no doubt in my mind that Russian's government would carry out exactly like this and has before. But the idea that the U.S. would stand up and accuse them of something like this in the midst of this situation at a time when the U.S. and the media around them have acted like false flags, the very idea of them is a ridiculous conspiracy theory. It's just childish, and it's the same thing we see with COVID. One day it's a stupid, crazy, outlandish conspiracy theory, and the next day it's completely backed up by what they're telling you. How can we not see this? But I just this this kind of thing. First of all, you need to understand the whole Ukraine manipulation, just like all the rest of it, Crimea and the whole. Deepening story that is a lie. It's a lie. And it's been very clearly shown. If you don't think it's a lie from the U.S. standpoint, then you're buying the mainstream narrative. This has been something that's been very clearly discussed from the people of Crimea, of the people of Ukraine, these different situations we've talked about that have driven this manipulation. It's different, right? These are ideas, separate situations, but the idea is it's the same kind of manipulation around what's actually happening. In the, in the Ukraine situation, right now, we very clearly know that the U.S. government is aggressively manipulating and involved in the policy, and if not entirely, what happens in the Ukraine? You know, the openly neo-Nazi white supremacist government that we don't care about yet pretend that's the only thing we're fighting over here. It's ridiculous. So when Ukraine stands up and says, this is happening, why would we trust them over anybody else? Now, here's what's funny. <laughs> Mike Charlie Robinson, this is fantastic. I added this right before I started. He says, now do you guys understand why I hate corporate media so much? It's just a never-ending stream of lies. Brought to you by Pfizer, or in this case, Lockheed Martin. Look at this, it's Politico. US has intel about possible Russian false flag op, presented by Lockheed Martin. <laughs> right, the very group who is going to aggressively profit by any action that's taken because of this kind of headline. Weird. Why would we trust what the U.S. government has to tell us about somebody they want us to not like? They want us to think are bad guys. I mean, gosh, we're childish today, but I don't think that's, I do believe that's the aggressive minority. I really believe that. Here's CNN. First on CNN, U.S. intelligence indicates Russia preparing operation to justify invasion of Ukraine. Now, they put it out as false flag on their, on their, metadata, but it's funny how they didn't want to put false flag in the title. Still kind of walking back on that, but this is where it seems to be going. They're right now prepping the table for whether they're going to carry out some false flag. This this does not add up. I, I think I'm taking too much time on this in general, but I, I was going to go deep into that right now. My point was There's so much around this Ukraine story that makes this such an obvious manipulation of the of the reality. This is and this is I bet you a lot of these people like myself that have been into foreign policy a lot before COVID started are the ones that are basically right now laughing at this story. Not because it's not possible, but it just doesn't make sense. It's the kind of idea of saying that, you know, Assad just decided to murder a bunch of civilians at the last moment, just when the US was about to leave. It just doesn't make sense. And Brian points out, well, first says this, the U.S. would act decisively if Russia deployed its military to Latin America. Right. These areas that aren't controlled by the United States, that are in fact allied with Russia. So why exactly would that be a problem? Because the U.S. government has troops literally everywhere, like all around the border of Russia. But this is you see what I mean? Like the contrast there. And the only reason that makes sense to people who agree that this is normal is because U.S., good guy, Russia, bad guy. And it really comes down to how stupid that is. Not sure how it's different from Russia's view on Ukraine, right? Venezuela, or Cuba. And this was the main point, as he says, U.S., the age of spheres of influence is over. And this is how this usually goes, right? So they're basically saying, you know, you no longer get to pretend that that's your sphere of influence. Russia says, "Okay, well, we'll send troops to Cuba. The U.S. says, you can't do that because that's our sphere of influence. (laughs) Russia says, but Ukraine is our sphere of influence. So you get out of there. U.S. says age of spheres of influence is over. <laughs> you know, it's just silly. It's only for them. You see, not the U.S. good guy. U.S. will act decisively if Russia deploys. So what this is, guys, in my opinion, is a very obvious ploy. I don't think Russia or the United States have any real. I don't think this is going to end up being anything other than hype like it always is. Not that it's not possible. Not that there's not actual division and and tension. But we can see US troops in along the border all over the place. Venezuela is not controlled by the United States. Cuba, I mean, all these places are very clearly, supposedly, sovereign nations that can make up their own mind. So, why would it be wrong for their allies to come and do something in their allied country? Especially when, you know, you get the point. It's just absurd. It's all because we want to pretend that Russia, in essence, is bad no matter what, which is just childish. Now, it says Russia won't exclude putting military hardware in Cuba or Venezuela amid unsuccessful talks with the U.S. over Ukraine. You see where this is devolving into. Now, Ukraine, of course, steps in and goes, I'm 99.9% sure Russia's behind a massive cyber attack targeting government websites. Great. I'm sure we could take their word for it. The bottom line is this is just a completely one-sided narrative being stemmed, driven forward by statements by the very people who have lied to you about literally everything in front of you right now. Let's not pretend this isn't, uh, my opinion, whether real or not, being used to very clearly get you to look anywhere but the completely burning down reality of their COVID narrative in front of them because of you. Now, would they literally go to war to stop you from... I I wouldn't doubt it for a second. I don't think it's going to go to that. Bringing this over into censorship, just very quickly to make this point before we bring it into the COVID narrative and the Off Guardian article, which is very important, I just want to share this for those that didn't know, not because I care about Facebook or because I want to use Facebook, anything like that, but it's interesting to see the kind of censorship they're doing. And it shows you the reality of how much we're reaching people and how they don't really have standing as much as they pretend, unless they just want to come obviously out with it and just be aggressive censors, which is they are, but they don't want you to see that. They don't want the average person who doesn't understand that yet to realize that they're not doing what they're supposed to following their own guidelines and so on. But if you haven't seen it already, Facebook has censored me in a really strange way. I still have my page. It's up. It's good. 4.9 star. I mean, it's, it's, you know, everything's good standing yet. They removed the post bar. I can't post anything for those that actually, for whatever reason, want to keep looking at Facebook. I don't know why you would use it. I keep posting in the last, the comment section of the last pin post that was there and people keep liking it. So they keep seeing it. I don't know why you would go should go somewhere else, but it's just funny that I'm still poking it through in some way. It's posted there, we'll keep updating. But this was, I mean, a month or more ago. If I try to post, it just says you don't have that ability anymore. In a back and forth email, they they got I got one response. They basically said, "Oh, it's just going to you, know, you have to wait for the restriction to expire." And as I said, well, aren't you obligated to tell me what the metrics are, how long it's going to be, what my actual strike is? None of that. This is not official. They don't have any guideline guiding principles of any kind like they ever did before as if they ever did it before. But I said, hey, Facebook, why are you removing the post section from my page entirely while acting like nothing is wrong? That is cowardly. Just admit you're censoring my page due to inconvenient facts that are now very hard to call misinfo as the mainstream admits them cowards. Just for you guys to see, if you'd like to, I would love if they got bombed with a thousand different letters and emails and tweets and tags and whatever else saying, why are you guys doing this? Just to see what they do. Because it's so cowardly and meek and feeble. If I'm doing something wrong, censor the page. But you see, the point is they're in this weird position, as it, they're even admitting this stuff, in, because the narrative's rolling back. So now, what do they do? Right? I mean, it's just it's just bad. Facebook. These guys are cowards. They almost must know that at this point. But this is where we are. But on the note of censorship, as you guys might have seen, Robert Malone's doctor, Robert Malone's doctor, Meryl Nass had her license to practice medicine suspended. I mean, this is getting outrageous. I mean, it's already outrageous, but it's getting. I don't even know the word for it. It's so far over the top, it's becoming almost comical. Her license to practice medicine was suspended under the guise of the the claim that she was spreading misinformation. And what's that a misinformation? All the peer-reviewed things and facts that we keep showing you based on the science they don't want to talk about. That's crazy. And as I said, nobody honest or with morals and integrity agrees with this. No one. My point being, if you agree with this, you don't have morals and integrity. It's incredible. This is happening. And this is the, Tom makes a great point. This is why many doctors are afraid to speak out against the accepted narratives and they create a cycle here. People see that. That's all what happened to Dr. Jensen and every other doctor that had the courage to speak out in the beginning. They know that now. So why would they speak out if they're not, you know, overly invested in the truth? If they just want to go along to get along, why would they speak up? They know what's going to happen. Even if they're tr- accurate, have the data backed up by the science, they will get fired, attacked, disparaged. Att- I mean, everything we've seen it happen. It's just sad. But they made sure people saw this. Then they act all baffled why people don't do, you know, why they would stay. I mean, it- it's frustrating how obvious it is. Now, on one last good note before we jump into everything else, there's actually two last good notes. But again, this is the premise of today's show in general. Don't take this as we won. Because I promise you that's not going to happen. This will come back if not continue. I mean, it's not even completely certain that I, that this is falling apart. Maybe I'm wrong. But these motions, these actions from the Supreme Court, from UK pulling back their passports, or at least saying they will, I believe it's meant to make us relax and, pull and stop because we are having such a positive effect. Supreme Court actually blocked the COVID-19 vaccine and testing mandate for US businesses. But what have I been saying from the very beginning? This almost in of itself was a ploy because right in the beginning they let, they said, well, they can do it themselves and they did. So right now you have to understand that all of the hospitals and, and colleges and businesses that were already forcing their employees to do this, they know they can keep doing it because the Biden administration has basically said, you can keep doing that. This is stopping the mandate, which means the government says you have to do it, but they've already made this quasi weird. I mean, I, that's not right. By the way, none of these places have the right to do this in my opinion, or and based on the law, but they've already allowed that. So when this, they act like this is going to stop, this isn't going to remove the businesses and their, and their decision to say you have to prove it. This isn't going to stop the colleges and hospitals and whatever else saying you need this to work here because they're going to back that or the testing for that matter, right? I mean, so consider that. So it's a win, but we need to keep going. And here's another huge win, it would seem. England will scrap the COVID passes and the work from home at the end of the month. Now, gee, what would happen if on, you know, the last couple of days of January, a new variant popped up? Uh-oh. Well, this would go away, right? And that's not hard to see. They would go, well, we were just about to, but this new dangerous thing after we all relaxed for a week and a half, right? That's what, I promise you, that's what's going to happen. But it says, because they are hard to justify now that Omicron is subsiding with masks on trains and shop, which I don't even understand the title there. Now that it's subsiding, well, the Omicron part is exactly why we got to a place where that, you see what I mean? Like, so this mild thing no longer being like the idea is they're just taking what they have, just like they used the idea of Omicron to justify the new vaccine, even though it made no sense. There's clearly a coordination to this, and it didn't work, in my opinion. But this is a pullback, this is a walk back, but it's false. So don't fall for it. The passes. We'll end at the end of the month, they say, but it's still the infrastructure. They still have everything ready. You got businesses with QR code scans and all this different stuff. It's still going to be used. And maybe this is the point of, ra- of stepping it into the climate change discussion. Who knows where it's going to go, but do not take this as an absolute win. Here's why. What they really mean by living with COVID. Now, I just want to go ahead and read this to you. This is a fantastic article that says the past few days, even weeks, have seen a definite alteration in the media's attitude to the COVID pandemic. And we all feel this, everybody, especially those that feel like this is, uh, you know, like the government failing because the anti-vaxxers pushed back, you know, and they're upset about this because right now this is the government vindicating what we have been doing, not as if we're anti-vaxxers, but the idea that we're just people that question what they're doing, question the mandates. So those people are really upset right now. The ones that invested their entire essence into the fact that masks are everything and vaccines will save us. And they're just lost more than ever. Now, it says there have been numerous examples of what, if the media, uh, if the media were not so tightly controlled, might be referred to as dissent, right? That's how they kind of want this to be seen. But since the media is tightly controlled, and don't forget that from, I mean, as tight as it could possibly be, we must call it an apparent change in the message. That's the point. They're choosing consciously to shift into what we have always been saying, knowing that plenty of people will recognize that. Famously Dr. Steve James, a consultant, and this is the person we are I can actually play the clip for you again. I might even have it still up here loaded. And this cuz this this was an important clip of when when they basically I I can just play it on here I think. Oh, you know what it, the bottom line is, he challenged him a doctor in front of uh, Javid, or Savid. see if I've got it. That doesn't look like it, but he challenged him while he was in there, in the hospital, and said, the science doesn't back up what you're doing. Right? Confronted the UK health security, Sajid Javid, that's what it was. God, that name always screws me up for some reason. Let's see if I have it. Nope. All right, we'll play it on here. But he confronted him over the weakness of the science supporting the vaccine mandates. Now, I pointed this out as well. It didn't make any sense. Sky News was ready. It was aired on Sky News, and then they tweeted it out with the exact clip, and they're all prepped and ready. And it was so incredibly staged. So that is an odd, it's, it's impossible to miss that. If this was something they didn't want you to think, and in the beginning, the very essence of even the hint at the idea, this wasn't the right science, science wasn't enough, was called creating vaccine hesitancy. They were like arresting people for even getting near that. And then they do this. How do we not see that for what it is? A planned, coordinated walk back. A few days ago, Dr. Rochelle Walensky, the director of the CDC, went on Good Morning America to discuss the Omicron wave and ended up pointing out that most Omicron deaths And she was specifically, apparently, as we're told, only talking about vaccinated people in this study. Regardless, it's the same point from the very beginning, as I said, as the CDC told you in the beginning of all of this, that it was something like 96 percent of these people had 3.6 comorbidities or more. So just because this weird mix up or the misrepresentation of what she was saying, it's the same narrative from the beginning. It's always been like that because it's not real, because this is a flu-like or less thing for most people, if you even believe that's what's happening. So this, this idea that her being fact-checked and turns out she was only talking about vaccinated people, it's a way to make people think this wasn't really what she said. And this has always been the case. Again, I feel like these were planned. Just my opinion. In another interview with Fox News, Dr. Walensky said the CDC was going to publish data on how many people have died of COVID and how many died with it. We all saw this with and from, even though they called us crazy for even caring to differentiate in the beginning. Now, this begs a series of important questions. Why is the the director of the CDC seemingly engaging with these COVID skeptic arguments after two years of openly pretending they don't exist? That's how stupid this is, because it's not like these are just new things they were trying to suss out. They were a censoring people, laughing at these things, openly calling them fake news, and then on a dime, they become possible. Let's not forget the whole lab breakdown, how it was like the most ridiculous possible thing. And then suddenly it's like, now it's a valid theory because what, what changed literally nothing. The next day is what changed. Now it's a, now it's a valid theory because we care to talk about it. Even then I don't trust it because I don't believe the leak concept. If it's anything, it's going to be a weapon that was used, not leaked as an accident, incompetent rather than criminal, right? But it says, Why would Sky News air and then tweet out the video clip of the doctor challenging the secretary, right? Why is The Guardian running headlines like, End mass jabs and live with COVID, says ex head of vaccine task force? Why are new studies being promoted and all this stuff we've talked about? <clears throat> now, I know Af Guardian is an avid watcher of our show. We've talked, we've connected many times, and I'm an avid reader of their work. So I know that there's overlap here. Again, I, if you have not followed their work, I highly recommend that you do. Because my point being is, those are all things you've seen on this show already specifically the T cell and colds, and you know, all of a sudden, it's fake news, and it doesn't matter right up until it suddenly does? Doesn't that come I in all of these questions? Shouldn't we then be standing up and going, well, where have you been for two years? Like, How about the fact that they're right now going, well, cloth masks don't work. Okay. First of all, none of them are, are uh, statistically significant in reducing transmission, as all of the peer-reviewed science and random-controlled trials have found even afterward. But let's just take that one point. It's okay. Well, if you're saying cloth masks don't work, who's responsible for making and and telling almost everybody that was what you should use right up until now? Shouldn't people that maybe you want to argue got sick because they were wearing that or weren't having protection, shouldn't they be able to hold them accountable? Where was Fauci? Where were these people when they switched and lied about which story were they were saying? Aren't they then accountable for telling me to use something that didn't work this whole time or better yet, that actually increased my infection according to the peer-reviewed science? Of course not. We don't even care about those things. What actually changed? Are we pretending like there's some new science that came out that suddenly makes cloth masks not work? All that happened was they stated it. Lena Wen and Gottlieb said it openly on then suddenly it was real. How crazy do we have to be to not recognize how dishonest that is? It's always been there. No new data came up. So were they lying to you? Yes. It's just hardest to get that to break through to somebody who doesn't want to see it. Now they just pivot into the next version of masks. N95s, they say. Nope. Sorry, guys. It's the same point. It says there's no denying the message. The declaration of the narrative. Excuse me, the deceleration of the narrative. There's a new thread being woven into the story living with COVID, which, by the way, is oddly, interestingly close to what the Great Barrington Declaration was pushing. Now we can say, same point, right? Suddenly, now we're finding merit in the very things that we said were so dumb and crazy. For over a month, that has been a popular buzz phrase all over the Western press, living with COVID. On December 1st, Forbes headlined, why endemic COVID-19 will be cause for celebration. An article which argued, among other things, that endemic COVID-19 will be no worse than seasonal flu. Now, exactly what we've been saying the whole time except now it works for them because they want you to get comfortable with it and say, just take another, you'll get another vaccine. just like seasonal flu. It's no different. Well, yeah, it's very different because these none of these injections are even remotely what we've been doing before. And then suddenly the flu shot also will become this mRNA platform universal. That's where it's all going. This is not normal and not okay. This sentiment has been repeated ad nauseum across multiple outlets, which shows you coordination, guys. We already mentioned the Guardian article from January 8th. There's also an earlier one from the fifth entitled From Pandemic to Endemic. This is how we might get back to normal. CNBC ran three almost identical stories on the topic in the space of two weeks. Now ask yourself that. Why would that make sense? Because the article is the same point. They're just reiterating it. When we get to the end today about the met, the mystery brain disease, it's the same point. Why would you post a story every month for the next last two years acting like we're it's a new thing? We're f- discovering some new thing that we're baffled about. Well, you were baffled two years ago. Same point. Is it new today? No, that's called propaganda. They want you to know that there's something happening that's not vaccine related. So they say, and we're baffled about it. That's what they want. That's all they just keep pumping out in your mind. Same thing here. They want you to start thinking about this. Well, it looks like we're finally going down. It's because the vaccines worked and here's what it will look like. And here's what we need to do. It's propaganda. The pandemic could end in 2022. Here's what it might look like. Crazy. New Year's Day. Vox had a piece titled, Despite Omicron, COVID-19 Will Become Endemic. Here's how. What do you mean, despite Omicron? Like, these people don't even understand their own information. Now, it says Bloomberg is reporting that Omicron signals the end of the acute phase of the pandemic. Just yesterday, the New York Post headlined, COVID will become endemic by later this year, ex-Biden task force head predicts. USA Today says the pandemic is changing. Will Omicron bring a new normal for COVID-19? <laughs> Uh, it's, just, it's just so infuriating to watch them. I mean, and what's even worse is lost, most of these mainstream corporate media entities have no idea. They think they're breaking the new information because all they know is what they're doing next because they're told that's the next. They don't know that we said this eight months ago or a year ago or two years ago because they weren't even paying attention. They're not tapped into what we're doing. They see names like ours and just fake news, dismiss, conspiracy theory, because that's the most unintelligent thing you could possibly do. That's where they are. The messaging isn't just media-based either. Reports are coming out with that living with COVID is going to be the UK government's strategy. Now, after two years of jamming chemicals in your arms and experimenting on you and everything that made your life much more dangerous. Lockdowns, destroying your business, immune suppression, everything. So living with the virus is going to be added to the COVID phrasebook alongside flatten the curve and new normal. But what does it actually entail? When they say living with COVID, what do they really mean? Well, first, let's not make the mistake of trusting any government, media, or expert. Just because they start telling 20% of the truth. This is an important part of this, guys. They're giving you something because they know you need that. In hopes that you'll go, oh, thank God it's over. It's not. It's never over. And that's the reality. And as much as that might make you uncomfortable, it's the truth. So embrace it and understand it. They'll just come back with this. They want you to get comfortable and relax. They are liars. They have an agenda. This is always true. You should always be aware of it. Even when, or especially when, they're suddenly telling you just what you want they, what you want to hear. Same thing with the two-party paradigm. Just because you have people like DeSantis or whoever else telling you what they think you want to hear, dig into the reality. Dig into the actual legislation that they passed saying that they wouldn't force mandates and find out that they actually included something that gave them the right to force quarantine and force vaccinate should they want to. But but DeSantis will never do that. Yeah, tell yourself that. They have not seen the light. They are not correcting their mistakes. They are not finally seeing sense. They are not switching sides. There have been no domicile conversions. There is no wave of guilty consciousness sweeping through the elitists. They have an agenda. They always have an agenda. You should also dispel any notion of going back to normal. That's not happening. They've told you that from day one. They said so if you were listening. Half the articles talking about living with COVID, in fact, go into great detail about how things won't go back to normal. This is the Guardian from uh, yesterday from when they posted this article. Living with COVID does not mean ditching all protective measures. You see, this this is them stating we're rolling back and going back to normal when really nothing changes. So all the people that are obsessed with this will think we're back to normal because they told me we're back to normal. When all they're doing is just going calm down while we keep everything in place. It outlines that COVID could become endemic soon that the mass testing of asymptomatic people may be counterproductive and possibly should stop, right? Because why? Well that whole mass testing of people that aren't sick is what keeps the illusion going. So when they just stop, so too, does the illusion. Hey, we're going back to normal. It worked. Hey, but it doesn't reverse course on masks or vaccines and leaves the door wide open for new variants to jumpstart more lockdowns in the future. As it says, living with COVID does not have to mean reversing every protection measure You know, you have to get rid of your safety blanket. If better ventilation and face masks reduce the impact of winter respiratory illnesses, that's a positive. You don't miss what they said right there. What they're saying is always, well, if the masks stop the flu and whatever else, well, all the better. Yeah, because they have always told you that. The masks, the distancing, this is your new normal. That's what it is. And that's what they're going to use to justify whatever else, even though these things aren't having the effect they say they have. And the data backs that up. The studies back that up. But we're not talking about data and studies. We're talking about narrative as if it was science. It says, even if the NHS is no longer under eminent threat of being overwhelmed, which, by the way, is a joke, because if you actually look back at all of the reports from every year before this, every single year, they say, we're overwhelmed, we're overwhelmed, we're short on hospital beds, we're overwhelmed. Every year. It's, I'm not, it's very easy to look up. So what's the difference? Why, why would now, why would it need to happen now versus before? It's just about perception. We will also need to remain vigilant about the threat from new variants, which could still cause big setbacks. Exactly. So that's always on the table. A new variant pops up, right back in it. There is no guarantee that another variant, more infectious and more variant than Omicron, seriously, are they actually still pretending? They're still, that directly claims that it's more dangerous to you. We all know that's not true. And yet, here they are. Because as long as you kind of float it in an undefined way, just like with Delta, Just as I said from the beginning, they'll always kind of leave it open and undefined. We don't know. It could be, could be, could emerge in the future. Scientists say that supporting global vaccination efforts will be crucial to securing the path to normality. There it is. Oh, global vaccination policy. Great. So once we get there, then we're back to normal. Well, how, what is that? How long will that take? And even once that happens, will that even be remotely normal? There's no such thing as normal. This is the plan. Global vaccination policy. As even, uh, what's his name? I don't think I included it today. Hotez was openly stating this on his Twitter feed today or uh, yesterday, or when last whenever that tweet was. Basically saying, "Well, yeah, I, I have no, I have an open agenda to get the world vaccinated all the way over." Of course, because he says it's going to save us. But he, this is not as this is a the global vaccination effort. When have we ever seen any anti, any authority figure say we have to vaccinate literally everybody on the planet? This is so wildly unprecedented, and we're pretending like it's normal or that that will get us back to normal, when that's the opposite. Masks, working from home, social distancing in crowds, setting could all be sticking around, according to the mainstream media. And COVID boosters will become like flu shots. Yeah, shocking. It's like that was fake news too before they said it. Meanwhile, experts are warning that even once COVID is endemic, we should prepare for surges every three or four months. Right. Never stopping. And that surge will be whenever they say it is. Hey, we'll start testing again next month. Hey, a surge. It seems living with the virus means maintaining the status quo, loosening a few restrictions, but leaving the path clear for new waves of fear porn should the need arise. But why? Why are they doing this now? It could be that there's splits in factions, you know, people disagreeing in the government, perhaps members of the great big club want to halt the pandemic where it is afraid that any more progress along the great reset path may imperil their own position or their own wealth, personal ambition. You know, that could be it. Maybe. What Off Guardian sees is more likely is that they sense that they have overextended. And this is what I agree with more than anything. They sense that they have already overextended and that stretching further could break their entire story to pieces. To use an app metaphor, imagine the Great Reset agenda as an invading army, marching through town after town, winning battle after battle, burning as they go. There comes a point where you have to stop. Your supply lines are pulling top, pulled pot. Your men are tired and numbers dwindling and the occupied citizens are putting up more and more resistance. That's you. Push on now and your entire campaign could crumble. They've got nothing but time. What you do in that situation is withdraw to a defensible position and fortify it. You don't give back the land you've taken, or not much of it at least, but you stop pushing forward. These people whose land you've invaded will be so glad the war is over, so tired of fighting, they'll be so relieved by the the respite before uh, realizing how much of their land you've taken away. They may even say, let them keep it as long as they stop attacking us. Maybe even they get excited about the little bit of land you may have given back to retreat tactically. That's how conquest works from the day of ancient Rome and beyond, a cycle of aggression followed by fortification. When we switch from pandemic to endemic, we won't be getting our rights back. The vaccine passes and surveillance and the culture of paranoia and fear will remain, just like with foreign policy. But people will be so relieved at the pause in the campaign of fear and propaganda, they will stop resisting. Guys, this is the main thing. They will, the media will tell you, or rather just stop screaming how dangerous it is and how much fear you should have. And people will think, God, thank you. This is stopping for a moment. They won't push back. And the new normal will literally become just that normal. They'll probably greenlight funding for anything Bill Gates wants to make. COVID is the last pandemic night mindset. And then one day when people are nice and docile again, could be a week, could be a month, could be next year, could be 10 years, a new variant will come back and we'll need a climate lockdown or push for control of every aspect of our lives or start up again and whatever else they argue. The best thing we can do is not fall into the trap. The press politicians, big pharma didn't all just realize the truth. They're just using some small parts of the truth that they've been ignoring for years to fortify their position. This is the same thing I point out about foreign corporate media tucker carlson any of them but that doesn't make it a bad thing we did have an effect guys the very fact they feel the need to do this shows the resistance is building and that they're trying to lull us into relaxing because you're having an effect now as they said would be the last time the worst time to stop fighting such a great article really just powerful exactly right on for where we are right now now check i want to play this clip because this is really important This clip is powerful in regard to... I I swear, oh, you know what? I I remember what I did. I added it on a different platform. Let me do it real quick. This is something I've already played for you. Jordan Peterson on the Joe Rogan Show, basically just talking about exactly this back and forth, the manufacturing consent idea. That all that really takes is a planned effort to know that the moment that you sense that there's enough pushback, that all you do is pull back a little bit, reassess, fortify, and wait.
2: How it gets to the point well, where... Think things get to terrible places one tiny step at a time. You know, if I encroach I, if I encroach on you and I'm sophisticated about it, I'm going to encroach two millimeters. I'm going to encroach right to the point where you stop, start to protest. Then I'm going to stop. Then I'm going to wait. Then you're going to calm down. Then I'm going to encroach again right to the point where you protest. Then I'm going to stop. Then I'm going to wait. And I'm just going to do that forever. And before you know it, you're going to be back three miles from where you started and you'll have done it one step at a time. And then you'll go, oh, how'd I get here? And the answer was, well, I pushed you a little farther than you should have gone and you agreed. And so then I pushed you a little farther than you should have gone again and you agreed. And if anybody's interested in this sort of process, and this is a horrifying book, if you want to read about how this process works, you can read a book called Ordinary Men by Robert Browning.
3: Now, this is something that is very well known by, by authority. I mean, it's, people have studied this, right? Just like they've studied things like mass psychosis, even though we pretend it's fake news, when it all of a sudden becomes very obvious, right? I mean, it's just so, port- so important. Ah, how I miss the days of Jordan Peterson and his prime. It's, it's such a clear possibility at the very least, right? And we can watch it happening. Now, I, for those that didn't want me to read that entire article, I, it's, it's something I found to be very, very important. It's very powerful to just get that in front of people because, you know, people just don't read as much anymore. It's very upsetting. But here is the same point they're making. Highwire tweets out acting FDA commissioner Janet Woodcock on Tuesday told the Senate committee, quote, it's hard. It's hard to process what's actually happening right now, which is most people are going to get COVID. Right. Which the same kind of another way of saying, well, we're just going to have to live with it. We're going to get it. It's going to be there. Well, this is exactly what we've been talking about. This is incredible. And they're acting like this is some new evolutionary part of it. We told you this from day one. In fact, we've argued that this would have been the smartest way to go. So now once this action goes forward, if that's what happens and it seems to dissipate, well, that'll be we succeeded. The vaccine worked. That's not even remotely what's actually happening as informed consent points out, I think we found the next state phase of the state of emergency. They're kind of use, at least it appears they're going to try to use long COVID. Here's the tweet itself. Medical experts are calling long COVID a public health crisis. An undefined thing that we've barely even proven is happening is now a medical health crisis, whatever it can be right with people. There are states of emergency popping up all over the place for completely subjective things that you can't even prove is an emergency. How about COVID-19 in general? It says, with more than 100 million estimated, they're guessing to be suffering. This is incredible to me. Now, here's the actual article. Researchers say more than 100 million suffer ill effects for at least 12 weeks. Well, how do they know that? Well, long COVID, as they call it, is another public health crisis hidden inside the pandemic. Right? Just jumping from one stone to the next. Medical experts have warned, warned. Right, and again, one stone to the next, and we're guessing. We have verily, we have not even fleshed out the reality of what we're dealing with now. As much as they like to say that, and we're now pointing down the line to the next thing we can't define. With estimates of the patients suffering from del- the debilitating disease, seriously stretching to more than hundred million worldwide, they're guessing, guys, and they're open about that, but they don't want to phrase. They want you to take it as guaranteed. Scientists are in the early stages of hunting for treatments that could ease the symptoms. <laughs> you mean like? Do you understand that the, very, the most what we're talking about when what they report as long COVID, which it isn't, and I'll show you that again next, aren't severe. These are things that people are like, you know, malaise, headache, sniffles. I'm really sure we've got all sorts of treatments for those kinds of things, but we're hunting for treatments for this new dangerous thing. It's just, it's just all framing. It's how they frame it. And, and by the way, good point. Somebody, we are conflating the obvious effects that are happening from the jab with long COVID. In every possible way, which is adds to the point I'll make next. A meta-analysis of studies by Penn State researchers found more than half of 236 million people who have had COVID-19 when the paper was published, which has been since risen to 275, had symptoms lasting more than six months. So what does that amount to? And you can look at the study yourself. Asking people, oh, you had COVID? How long have the symptoms lasted? How have they persisted? How do we know they had COVID? How do we know that that's because of COVID? We don't. It's subjective and observational. That's what they're pointing at. I'm not saying they're saying otherwise, but just realize that's what it is. How COVID is defined as suffering symptoms 12 weeks or long COVID is defined as suffering symptoms 12 weeks or more. <laughs> so now suddenly long term has become 12 weeks. <laughs> that's so stupid. That's not even remotely what long term is supposed to mean. And it never has. But long COVID has just be- become what they they've turned it into. Now, here's the main point, as I already showed you. Now, this is the same idea as I keep discussing with trust the science crowd. As far as I can tell, this is the only real science peer review on JAMA Network discussing the illusion of long COVID, or rather what we can prove one way or the other. November 8th, I guess they just missed this one. Association of self-reported COVID infection with persistent physical symptoms among the French adults during this pandemic. Here's what it says. Self-reported COVID-19 infection was associated with most persistent physical symptoms. So people that say they had them, whereas laboratory confirmed infection was only associated with loss of taste and smell, which by the way happens with the flu. So anytime it was, and again, I understand the discussion of, you know, whether or not they can prove they had it, the COVID. I under, I'm with you on all of that, but just within their narrative and what they're saying, they're claiming that they people that had a confirmed case only had loss of taste and smell. Whereas people that just told you they had it were the ones with all the claimed symptoms. Then under meaning, it says findings suggest that persistent physical symptoms after COVID infection should not be automatically ascribed to SARS-CoV-2. And of course it gets more important as you go down. It says right here, persistent physical symptoms, which is what they're pointing at right here. That's what they're talking about. Persistent physical symptoms after infection may be associated more with the belief in having been infected than with having actually been infected. Look at that. Now, even if this is not, nobody, it's amazing that they just keep going forward. What happened to trusting the science? This is the most up-to-date current reality. Shouldn't they then stop parroting the idea of long COVID as a fact? If this is what, yes, but they don't care. This is basically telling you that most people, at the very least, that believe they have long COVID, don't. And it's just psychosomatic, which is obviously a reality. Psychosomatic symptoms is a very common factor, even with the flu. But here we are going, because they tell us they're sick still. Here, we're literally, and this is the craziest part. They're literally arguing this is becoming a new public health crisis, which is probably going to be another state of emergency. Or, at the very least, as, uh, which one was it? Oh, this is the tweet here. At the very least, as informed consent was pointing out, this is what's going to create the next phase of the state, of the ongoing reg- the renewal of the state of emergency, claiming a continuation of long COVID. That's what they're doing right now. Now, here's the part where I think this is so relevant. Here is a here's a neuro- uh, genomicist pointing out Omicron presumably, is causing bacterial super infections after one to two weeks and requires broad-spectrum antibiotics. Well, isn't that weird? I'm finding out with my patients this week. Now, here's the two things that come to my mind. One, what do we keep seeing with the injections? These weird infections, which, which is backed up by what Dr. Cole and plenty of others have pointed out. This is creating the, or actually removing and dropping dramatically those killer T-cells, which will open the door to all sorts of other things. So this could very clearly be the vaccine and then, of course, choosing to ignore that and act like we don't know what's happening here and blame it on whatever's going on around the world. Or it could be possible that Omicron itself, if that's what's there, is not what we're being told it is. Sort of the same point, but even further, I keep pointing out the reality that we don't know where this came from, as they're telling us at the very least that it was detected when four foreign nationals came in a diplomatic mission in Botswana, where would they come from. Diplomatic mission means they have diplomatic immunity. They could have brought anything across the borders. They're obviously government. Nobody's ever tried to figure out even from where or who they were. Were they American government? That's very relevant, wouldn't it? Israeli government? Who cares, right? So my point is, if we're weirdly seeing this long continuation, this super infection that continues after the fact, but now as they're suddenly declaring a weird emergency around that exact thing, I'm sensing some coordination here. He says, like the 1918 flu, which was accompanied by influenza, H-influenza, this didn't happen with alpha or delta last summer. Weird, right? It's almost like this whole thing, which triggered all these new actions and discussions and changes and shifts, was meant to happen in a weird way, or at the very least, something suspicious. Just a thought. As always, my opinion, throwing it out there for you guys to research and send it back if you find anything important. But clearly, that's not happening the way they say it is. They're using it to justify an emergency going forward and continue the emergency for COVID. And we're seeing some weird super infection they claim associated with just this new thing. We should be asking questions. Now, bringing this over into the data part of it, as you may have seen already, and this is a very vindicating point for Lab in general, we talked about this on the last show. This was ju- this is just that last show referencing this point. In Scotland, in the last report reported month, And before that, by the way, but this is what I was discussing in this article or this show, the majority of cases, hospitalizations and deaths are in the fully vaccinated. On top of that, the risk per 100,000 in every category in Scotland in that reported month is higher in each category when compared to unvaccinated. I mean, guys, there is no misunderstanding that. I mean, even, we're going to get into the UK data here in the newest report. Don't forget that Scotland is part of the UK. So it, when, when the UK shows you that the majority of everything is in the fully vaccinated, but then they argue that the per 100,000 is much, you know, you're in more danger if you're unvaccinated. Yet over here in Scotland, which is within that data, it's the exact opposite on the side of the per 100,000. Same point on the other side, almost to the same percentages, which I find very relevant. You'll find all of the categories are slanted in the fully injected then how could the per 100,000 be so different? Clearly the risk and and their Scotland data and media back this up. I think what we're seeing is a manipulation in the UK, but you could take it for what you will. Here is where we got confirmed. Here it is. Confirmed in Scottish media, mainstream. Once again, TLAV and many others in the independent media, like Off Guardian, like Daily Expose, were weeks ahead of this and censored for it. And of course, they are confused by the weird data, or is it, that, is it that they just don't like what it shows them? As you can see, double jab Scots are now more likely to be admitted to the hospital with COVID than the unvaccinated. That's what they said and still say on the Herald in Scotland. First of all, what's funny to me is that the headline says, Case rates lowest in unvaccinated as double-jab drive hospital admissions, I guess, oddly choosing to just not report the most important part of that, which is it's the same in the death category. Isn't that, I mean, guys, that's almost like they chose to get you to admit, they want to admit the hospitalizations while omitting the most important part of it. So you missed that maybe. Maybe it's a cat- a careful retreat, just like everything else we're talking about. I'll show you next. if the If the deaths in Scotland are the majority of are on the fully injected, and the per 100,000 in the deaths are higher in the in the fully injected. Why would that not be the biggest headline in every media everywhere? You know why. They don't want you to see it. But just note that we were people said we, we were confused or you got it wrong or the Scotland data doesn't say what you think it does. Well, that, it doesn't just vindicate it because mainstream backs it up, but the point is the data backs it up. They're just having to admit this now for whatever reason. It says it right here. Again, double-jab Scots are now more likely more likely to be admitted to the hospital with COVID than the unvaccinated. On top of that, the triple jab, three, which they keep telling you is what you need to make this not happen, were also at more risk on the Scotland data. Of course, they left that out too, right? They're focusing you in on the point that works with the narrative. Well, double jab, well, hospital, well, and they say, amid an increase in elderly people. So they're trying to blame it on that. This is a a careful, they're trying to sidestep this out somewhere else. Let's look at the data ourselves. I think that was it down here. Oh, and, and on this tweet, you can see I included that other tweet and then screenshots of the actual article because it's paywalled and blocked and whatever else, but you can read it for yourself. Now here, if you remember, was the Scotland data. Now the most, I mean, the most ridiculous was the cases in every category, just like every other group we can see everywhere. It seems it's so hard. Just the The vast majority of cases are in the side of the fully injected. In every place you can look right now, that's no exception. And you can see that the per 100,000 is obviously more. That's an easy one, though. They've admitted that to a degree. Here's the hospitalizations. We just went over this. Take note of the breakdown. As you can see, just, just between unvaccinated and fully vaccinated, two, as they say, it's much, much, much higher. That's just those two breakdowns. on the hospital. On that same note, by the way, the booster part of this. People would try to make the argument, I would say, that they could point to the booster and be like, well, look, it's gotten so much better after the booster, therefore it works, but that's not even accurate because this is something that is still happening. We haven't seen it flesh out. The point is once this happens after a period of time, we will see more and more build there, just like we saw it happen with two doses when that first started as well, right? That's important to see, but that's what's even crazier to me about the the death part of it down here. As you can see, why would they not report that? Even one dose, you can see a huge increase in some of these categories, like a shocking increase. But in every single category, five, seven, one, four, you can see nine, seven, six, seven. The breakdown: it is per 1,000 is almost double in the fully injected. Double. Now, how is that not the most important report? I mean, look at you can look at the headline. What they're literally saying is the double jabbed, right? Double jabbed are more likely to go to the hospital. Well, it's not just more likely, you have a double the risk. Double jabbed are twice as likely to go to the ho- go to die after getting injected and that's not the headline. I mean, good god. Here's just a quick breakdown from Scotland in case you wanted to hear it again from the last report. Cases, 85% of the cases were in the fully injected. 85. The two dose breakdown per 100,000 is 1938 per 100,000, whereas it's only 885 per 100,000 in the unvaxed. Hospitalizations. of the hospitalizations in that time period were in the fully injected, whereas it was only 63 per 100,000 for the uninjected. Two doses were 75. More. Total reported deaths, 81% in the injected. 81%. Uninjected was only 4.8 per 100,000, whereas two doses were 7.7. Unbelievable. Okay, so this takes us to the current data. just want to make sure we see this and understand that even the mainstream is admitting that this is not adding up. So considering that, and then considering that Scotland is within the UK data, ask yourself how it would possibly make sense that it could be so clearly slanted in hospitalizations, deaths, and cases. Oh before I get there actually but the point was and then in the UK they can have a ex- almost the exact same breakdown of the majority of the data but yet then the per 100,000 is so very different even though it's the same kind of idea when you look at all the other places but check this out this to me suggests what there's an obvious effort to hide this here is freedom podcast posting this basically just so you can look for yourself the only thing that's a, an opinion or at least a statement is i thought the vaccine prevented death it says 2,000 vaccinated people, 2013, died with COVID in 2020, as confirmed in the Public Health Scotland report. That's what they're pointing yeah. at the report. Then it says exactly what the report's telling you. This many deaths, this many doses, this many, blah, blah, blah. 85% of recent COVID deaths were vaccinated. That's all from the report. And they they label it misleading. Look at that. This is literally directly from this report. You can see it for yourself. And all he does is cite what the report says. And that's misleading because Twitter doesn't care or doesn't even know about the data. They don't care about the data. They don't even know it's there. They just know that if you suggest in any remote way that this is something that doesn't work or blah, 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 even if you're pointing to the data, it's fake news, misleading. You don't know what you're talking about. How crazy is that? How do we not see where we are? Another one says, and this is the idea how insulting this is again, realize while they're trying to soft roll this and pretend that we're lying or making this up, <laughs> in Australia, I mean, remember, we're talking about uh, Scotland here. In a different country, in Australia, oh, the high number of vaccinated people in intensive care in New South Wales may appear concerning, <laughs> but it actually shows the jab is working. That is not a joke. So it went from all the cases show that it works, but the, the hospitalizations and the deaths are so rare, you won't see that. But then once we do see that, they go, oh, but now the hospitalizations are there, but that means it's working still. How do you even remotely try to make sense of that? I mean, as I said, is there actually someone out there who feels this makes sense? I mean, really? Even though this directly challenges the it's super rare part for that same thing to happen? I mean, that's just ridiculous. I I mean, I'm actually baffled by this stuff these days. So this brings us to the report from the UK. This is the most recent report. I believe it came out today starting with cases. Now let's just start with the most important part, which, well, first I'll show you the the numbers. I'm keeping these going, by the way. I'm going to keep trying to tally these and and keep the information on here. UK Health Security Agency, this is today, 114. Week 50 to week one, different than Scotland, where they have the week breakdown. This is just week 50. This is the last week breakdown. And total cases, so they tell us, remember this, all these caveats with PCR and everything else is what they're reporting. 3,161,258. That's what they're saying are the reported cases in this last time frame, right? Do you know how many of those cases were in the fully injected? Of 3,161,258 cases, 2,520,389 of them were in the fully injected, but so rare and totally not, totally in a pandemic of the injet, uninject, uninjected, right? That accounts for 80% of the cases. Only 20% of all the cases in that time frame were in the uninjected. Then, just because this is the point that a lot of people focused on last time, just look at the per 100,000. Last time, it was only the first few categories. It's every single category right now. Every single category, without fail. This is the vaccinated. This is the not vaccinated. Look at the breakdown, guys. Every single category, or excuse me, except for the first one, is higher per 100,000. Almost 9,000 per 100,000 versus 4. 7 versus 3. 6 versus 2. Every single category, you have aggressively more people getting sick in the fully injected category versus the not. In in no stretch of the imagination can you pretend that means it's working. Then my point I made the other day, remember that the point is that if we're actually talking about the pandemic and not just the, the side effects and the, the hospitalizations and the overwhelming of the hospitals, yes, that has a factor and yes, it matters. But what's the primary gauging the gauge on whether or not the pandemic is spreading and continuing? Transmission. Everybody knows that. So if we're watching the 80% of the transmission happen amongst the injected and they then continue to spread it amongst themselves. They then continue to spread it to the unvaccinated who don't have the injections if they're not having, they don't have natural immunity, which nobody wants to admit, but if they, if they can spread it, of course, anybody can catch it if you believe that's what's happening. So why don't they talk about how the unvaccinated are being put at risk by the vaccinated? Because they just assume by narrative that the unvaccinated are already sick, which is so stupid and not actually scientific or factual. So you have a a situation where the vast majority of people spreading this amongst themselves and to anybody else are the fully injected. So this is a pandemic of the injected. I mean, there's no way to misunderstand that. Then ask yourself if it's rapidly spreading amongst these people without stopping it. Isn't that what historically has been discussed about creating variants? Yes, yes, yes. A thousand times yes. That they keep spreading it, that it doesn't stop transmission. It allows it to continue. It's a leaky vaccine. I mean, all the peer-reviewed research from before this continues to point at that creating variants. It just, it's so obvious. But going back to, and we'll come back down to the other per thousands after we go over these parts. So the cases in general, 80%. Going to the hospitalizations, same point. And I always like, I always want to point out how the idea that we're supposed to protect those that most vulnerable, you can see that over 80 specifically, there's only 1,546 not in, not injected that supposedly got COVID-19. Then you look over at the fully injected. There's almost 44,000. Now, their argument would be, well, it's because most of them are injected. But isn't that supposed to protect them? How would it be so slanted? Wouldn't you argue that if half the population, which is the case is uninjected, that you'd see more than 1,500 and then, yes, these numbers don't add up and all they can do is just wait, ah, dismiss it and say, no, that is, you're wrong. Here's emergency hospitalizations. There's been 13,514 reported COVID hospitalizations. They tell us in the UK during this time period, the unvaccinated, uninjected account for 35%. The fully injected account for 65% of those hospitalizations. 8,776 of the 13,500 hospitalizations. The majority in every possible way. And by the way, don't miss that this correlates in an interesting way with what we're seeing in Scotland. Here's the most recent. Oh, yeah, it was right down here. So, so you could see that 85 in cases versus 14. 20 versus 80. Right? Hospitalizations. In Scotland, in the same... Oh, no. Please tell me I didn't just lose that. Okay, good. Whew. Where were we? Okay, so uh, down to the bottom one. Hospitalizations, 25%, 75%. Was it on UK? 35, 65. I mean, it's very interesting, tight core. It's obviously the majority. Then you go down to deaths. 71% of the deaths... After twenty-eight days, we're in the fully injected. After sixty days, it was seventy-three percent. It only increases. There's no misunderstanding, this guys. At the very least, it does not represent a very super rare reality. This thing, even if you want to pretend that the danger is more for the fully uh, for the un.injected. It's still points, you still have to point out that it's not working for them. This is not the, if they're dying and getting sick and transmitting and going to the hospital, it's not even remotely working the way they keep saying it is. That's not like, well, if it was a small, small, small percentage, then you could maybe argue, well, of course it'll happen to some, but that's not what we're staring at. I've been making that point from the very beginning. Here's the death data right there for 28 and for 60. Now going down to the per 100,000, this is where I want you to think for yourself. I mean, if you, if you can recognize that every single, like this is telling you beyond a shadow of a doubt that people who are fully injected are at much higher risk, in fact, double of getting sick. How does that, how do you make sense of that? That's not because most of them are vaccinated or whatever you want to call it. If they're just double the risk of getting sick, that's, that's a different discussion. They're at higher risk. Then you point out hospitalizations or first, before I go to that next point, if they're at higher risk, And the percentages are pretty similar to the Scotland and and other places we're looking at. And Scotland is showing you that they're almost double the risk in those categories. And this is part of the UK data. How do we make sense of what they're showing you here? I believe that there's manipulation happening here. That's my opinion. But you guys can look at it for yourself. At the very least, no one seems to want to address, other than Scotland, Scottish media, why that doesn't add up. Why you should immediately stop what you're doing in Scotland if that's what you're seeing. But they're not. But you can see that the breakdown here is quite slanted, as they're showing you, for claiming that the unvaccinated are higher risk. But of course, there's caveats down here you can read in, in general, pointing out that there's un, you know, the, the way they adjust the information or case rates. Now, of course, in, in regard to the one-dose discussion, they do include that, as I've shown you before, on this. But my point is the same in regard to all these places. I really don't even understand how you can look at this kind of information with such a higher increased rate in every category across every week. And then just pretend that it's the exact opposite across the border. Something's amiss. Now, I would argue the one who's reporting the the very obvious narrative challenging information wouldn't be the one trying to trick you. But that's just my opinion. Because then you can dance over here to look at Ontario in regard to the just cases, but it's the same point. You can see that breakthrough cases have a much higher per 100,000, or in this case, what they use per 1 million person days risk. It's a lot higher than the unvaccinated breakthrough. Even even the po- even three dose, you have a higher risk of getting it. This is from Ontario's breakdown. And just with Omicron. Now, here's this point I wanted to make before we get past this. Now, you th- my point the other day when I made this and mistake was that I misunderstood this as being the, the reason I made the mistake is because I figured if they're going to write fully vaccinated, that meant people that are fully vaccinated. And it says at least one dose. Now, the reason that I read that as one dose versus fully vaccinated is because on these other categories, I'm going to show you, including the CDC, that they do break these down separately. So I may I misunderstood this. and I, I should have caught it by seeing that it said 77 versus 82, as well as the fact that you add these up and it's higher than the population of Ontario, which, by the way, I didn't know off the top of my head. So obviously it's a mistake, but it was a side point to the larger argument which was that this is obvious. There's no misunderstanding this. And I'm actually mad that it happened because that people will use that to undermine the undeniable reality of what that shows you. I was just simply trying, simply trying to consider, ask or think about why places like this might be showing something so, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> so very different. So I'm thinking, one of those obvious ones was how they play with the one dose scenario. But there's a lot of those and we know that. And, and just to point it out, it says right here, refers to the individuals that have received at least one dose, reflects individuals that are partially or fully vaccinated. I don't honestly am not even sure why that would make sense to present the data that way. That's just my opinion. But I also want to point out down here, since after we address that, that it says three doses of any vaccine product, which I just want to reiterate, which I found very interesting, was something, somebody commented this. One reason they might be telling people it's okay to get a mix of different shots, which by the way, their data right now continues to show you it's not. They know that. They have no data to back up that it's safe to mix these shots. Even the CDC's own website still says that, but they just say, oh, go ahead and do it. But they're saying maybe, maybe it's because how can you blame one or the other if you have two or three different brands in your body? That's a very, that's an excellent point. If you've got Moderna and Pfizer and you end up having a heart attack in a year how, and, and I mean, and, and you find out, you decide it's because of something in your body, how do you then decide which one? I find that to be a very, very compelling point, but just on that note, but don't, so again, this is the same idea and I'm going to go to the CDC article, a part of that as well, which by the way, I did make a similar error in regard to the U S version, but that was just my, that's just my mistake again, because I already made that point in the past and I believe it was 30 something million. The last time I made that point about the United States and I just read this and it's the same breakdown, which I don't think they did last time where they showed you the, at least one dose versus the fully dose. And I just read the number and it was my fault. I'll show you in a minute, but these are mistakes on my, on my part. And we should always be willing to discuss them, acknowledge them and make sure we're clear because people will make mistakes. 90, half the time guys, where I'm doing this show, 50% of this is stuff that I have kind of organized. And then it's just me discussing, thinking off the top of my head, mistakes will happen especially when it's stuff like this, when I'm secondarily making a point and I'm just using it as a backup. But going forward, here is Ontario and the hospitalizations. This is from January 7th. And I want to make the point that it's not changing. This is not some fluke. Okay. This is January 7th. And you can see that the majority, more than 50% of the people in ICU are people there with, uh, with injections. I think it, it's almost maybe 40% are people fully injected. And then the other remainder of that more than fifty are people partially, people not in the ICU, or I mean almost seventy five or more than seventy five percent. There's no misunderstanding that. So if, again, don't forget if you're <clears throat> trying to pretend that it you know hospitalizations and whatever are super rare, but you're not going to get super sick, you're not going to die. They keep yelling that at you. And Biden even lied about that. How is it mostly them in the ICU then? Now the point was to continue this. This is from January seventh. Let's go forward. Watch the change. It goes up. This is as of today. It is now more than 50% in the ICU fully injected. That's incredible. I don't know why we keep pretending like this makes sense. And same thing over here in the hospital in general. More than 75% of them are people with injections. Almost 75% of people fully injected. Hard to miss, especially when you realize that the per 100,000 risk in Scotland is more for them. So we should ask ourselves, is this also happening here in the locations where they're doing everything they can to hide that breakdown from you? Which by the way, the CDC does too. And I'll get to that in a minute. But here on the hospitalizations, as Ezra Levant points out, I'm glad he's covering this because this has been something we've been following, as you guys know. In Ontario, most cases, hospitalizations, and ICU beds are vaccinated people. Cherry-picking one case for propaganda is what they do. And then he's pointing this down here. And this is what I keep making this point about. They're, they're reading, they're letting one guy speak about how he should have gotten vaccinated from a hospital bed. And, act, and that's emotional manipulation. I mean, can we not point to plenty of people that, that have the exact opposite experience <clears throat> or somebody in the hospital that says, I'm glad I should have never gotten vaccinated. There's they're everywhere. So why pointing to one is just because it backs up what they want you to think. And they think it's going to man- emotionally manipulate you. As it says, the ICU of this hospital has been overwhelmed with mostly unvaccinated fake news. That's, this is what we're showing you guys. That's not true. That's what he's showing you right there. And it's exactly what I was just showing you. They're lying to you and their own data shows you that. And all they can do is point to one subjective, emotionally manipulative case because that's all they have. Here's Sajid Javid saying the same thing, lying to you. We just showed you the data, right? Let's bring it up to the hospitalizations right now. Now, we're not talking about per 100,000. He's just talking about the majority of cases. And what are we seeing? As we showed you, the majority of cases in the hospital right now, 65% of them, in fact, are fully injected right now, as of the most current report from the UK. Well, what does he have to say about it? Let's take a listen.
0: The reason why this country is as free as it
3: is now is because of the decision that nine out of 10 people have made. Uh, can you, uh, by the way, just to start, can you believe that? The reason this country is as free as it is now? Like, they're actually using their own restrictive situation to then promote the freedom they give you. Like, that's a bad, look at how free we are now because of what we've given you. Well, how about the fact that that was all there before you took it all away and then gave it back in, in regimented increments? This is how stupid they think people are. How free and how about the fact that we pretend we're a free country? Well, if you're a free country, you don't dole out freedoms as if you get based on you doing things to get them. That's not freedom. That's it's just it's so remedial. The reason why this
0: country is as free as it is now is because of the decision that nine out of 10 people have made to get vaccinated. Those people who made a decision when they could have been vaccinated
3: and not not, discussing being forced and coerced and fired and threatened. Yeah, they all made their quote choice didn't they
0: because they're not medically exempt uh, for example uh, but they so they could have they've chosen not to do that and that has consequences it doesn't yeah and that's called freedom
3: bud i guess you forgot that in your speech about freedom it
0: doesn't just have consequences for them it has consequences
3: for all of us uh, my... it doesn't in fact it doesn't at all it, it could like you could also get the flu and spread that too but the point is that if you're unvaccinated by default you have nothing you're not sick you're not injected you don't spread these things right that's not what's happening to argue that you're unvaccinated, which means you can then put people at risk, is a an illusion. They're knowingly conflating those two things. You have to get sick first for that to happen. Meanwhile, who's mostly getting sick? We, we just saw that.
0: I might be interested to know that when I visited a hospital uh, last week, you know, King's College Hospital in London that I was told by the consultant in charge when I went to the ICU ward that was looking after COVID patients, I was told that they estimate that seventy percent of those in the ICU ward were unvaccinated. Seventy percent were oops.
3: Well well is that is that true? Well clearly not. Right well just for clear this is Ontario, but understand this is the same breakdown. And and that's the point that, that Ezra was making. And this is specifically Ontario, right? They're lying to you in every possible way. This is not what's happening. And also, don't forget that the uh, Kings, uh, I just blanked on the second part of that, but that was one of the hospitals we looked into when the FOIA request came back. What'd they say? Well, we have zero. We can't, we have zero reports of anybody who died from COVID as opposed to with COVID. Everybody they're reporting is with, not from. And they had to, they were admitting that.
0: Vaccinated in the ICU ward were unvaccinated. 70% were unvaccinated. If those people had got vaccinated, they not only would have been uh, safer. Fake. Uh, but it would have meant that that space in, 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 in hospitals could have been used for others. False. Uh, and, and if that is not just in ICU wards, if you look at the 17,000 uh, COVID-positive patients in our hospitals, this is uh, something that could have been prevented had those that were unvaccinated or decided not to take their booster shot had actually bothered to do so. So yes, getting vaccinated, it needs to be a positive choice. We need to encourage people.
3: (laughs) It's just so ridiculous. Like, he must be internally aware of how stupid that is. Like, you're openly forcing people. You are literally forcing people at this point. That's not, we're not at this point where we're kind of pretending, we're just suggesting. They are openly forcing. And yet he keeps talking about choice. This is why they're losing the narrative, guys. I don't even think they recognize how stupid that they are. And these individuals are not the ones actually leading. Remember that. These are the puppets. Never forget that. And that's why some of these people actually believe they're BS.
0: And with the exception of uh, of the health and social care high-risk settings, it should not be done by compulsion. I don't believe in that. I don't think it will work. I think it's unethical. Uh,
3: to- I understand that now he's going – this is the same group that's now rolling back the idea of the passports. I, by the way, after they've already done this, after they've openly for two years done some of the most aggressively manipulative, coercive, forcing, authoritarian actions in the, in the world, the UK has some of the worst. Maybe, say, for Australia and New Zealand and some of these places we've seen, Israel, but – Now they're doing that because they're being told to or because they're being allowed to. However you want to look at it. So don't pretend like now you're going, oh, it's unethical and I can't force. Too late, man. You already did it. You should already be in prison for what you've done. When they roll this stuff back, they want you to pretend like they're finally understanding it. No, they censored us for pointing out what they were doing and now they're finally saying it. We need the average people to see that
0: do so, but the people who have chosen not to get vaccinated should understand the consequences of their
3: decision. You just said it was a choice. Is it not my choice or is it my choice? If it's not my choice or if it is my choice, then it doesn't matter what you're trying to do. The the discussion of consequences inherently undermines the entire idea that there's a choice. I shouldn't say that because there's always consequences, but the way he's framing it, the consequences are not just real world. He's talking about the kind of things on top of that, that they're going to do. But you can't do this. You can't do that. You're going to have this kind of thing discussing taxes and so on for the rest of society. Hmm. Now, the consequences for the rest of society, again, the point was that's also hollow because you're not sick. Again, if you stood in your home and didn't do anything and never got the injection, you're not sick. You're not being exposed to anybody. Why are you inherently a risk just because you're not injected? on top of the fact that the injection clearly increases the risk as we've continued to see as this d- the data continues to see and as i said all they can do now is lie about it and hope that they get a vocal minority on their side all you have to do is actually look at the data as opposed to what they tell you the data says pandemic of the injected here's james pointing out headline this is this is, this is this is in wales uh yeah all hospitals in the icu cases are unva- unvaccinated all all? I mean, we're just looking at it. How can you say it's all when it's not the case? And yes, this is a different location. The point is that it's the same everywhere you look, and it's not all by any stretch of the imagination. As he says, the specific ICU has six COVID beds. That's it. Four are currently occupied. And he's saying yes by unvaxed, but understand that that does not mean they were there for that purpose. That's the same thing they did with other people. David Hepburn never spoke to any journalist and Wales, ran the story in the, uh, uh ran story on a tweet. Now he says here, he says we have less covid cases than we've hoped for in months. Uh where oh this was this is actually the is this the one? Yeah, yeah, here's the one, the thread I was looking at. But so he's pointing at this, basically just saying there there this is a sensationalist headline. Read the rest of the thread if you want to get the more details on it, but the point is it's ob- it's easily verifiably false. All of them is a lie. It's not happening. Here's the point and how they're manipulating data right in front of you. Same person. The Express has blamed a death that happened in 2020 on the unvaccinated. You know, at a time when nobody was vaccinated. But they're blaming it on the unvaccinated. Not a joke. Here's the post, and here's the post he follows up with to prove that to you. And I'll show you both right now. Made a choice not to have vaccine. Right. That's a that, So that's his statement. Of course, what he, when you read through it, what he's actually saying is people today upsets him because he's bought in the narrative. They have had. They made their choice today to not do that. But the way this article is so incredibly dishonestly framing it, they want you to misinterpret this as the choice to not get vaccinated killed his daughter. Grieving father's fury at anti-vaxxers taking up beds. Now, I'll, in the interest of time, basically just the, the way they're framing it, this father's launched a venomous attack on anti-vaxxers, holding them and the government accountable for his daughter, his the death basically. what you'll note down here is that's not really what he says. He goes, with that in mind, he looked no further than anti-vaxxers and the government when identifying the culprits. He said, quote, the doctors and nurses didn't create the bed shortages. The government did. And now we've got all these people filling up ICU beds because they've made the choice not to get the vaccine. Well, it's a little bit different, isn't it? He's clearly blaming the government and then buying into it a little bit. But they frame this, if you read it, as he's blaming the, the people that didn't get injected for his daughter's death. But if you read the Sky News article... Of course, and the other point is you don't, what you don't find in here is when that happened. That was a choice because when you find out that the death was in 2020, it says in North London, John uh, and, and Ida Sullivan have been suffering the pain of their loss for nearly two years. The daughter, Susan, was one of the first to die from the virus. Susan fell ill March, 2020. Look at that. So she dies at a time, which is sad, when nobody was getting injected. And yet they have the nerve to highlight this, use his grief and his pain to jam in their narrative and pretend like these are because you are right now not getting vaccinated. This is disgusting. These people are horrible people. They don't care. There's nothing sacred. They will use your pain and your life to jam in what they want and to hide and scare people into doing what they want them to do. It just bothers me. Bothers me but this is like everything else. If you can look at that and not realize that everything else from the mainstream media might also be suspect, then you're choosing not to look at that. Now here is where we're finding ourselves. After all of that, and after everybody that wants to pretend that none of this actually means what we think it means, well, guess what? A lot of other people around the world are beginning to roll this back, which goes back to that same beginning point. That it's not necessarily only because we're having an effect, but it is that part. It just means that it's going to come back if we don't pay attention. But if you believe that these things don't mean what we're telling you it means, then why exactly would everybody be coming out like mainstream media in Denmark and saying the headline of their article, we failed. That's what it says. This is one of Denmark's largest newspapers issuing an apology for its journalistic failure during COVID. Now, here's what it says. We failed. For almost two years, we, the press, and the population in Denmark, they're specifically pointing to, have been almost hypnotically preoccupied with the authorities' daily corona updates. And we have stated at the uh, oscillations started, we have started at the oscillations of the number, uh, pendulum, remember this is translated, when it came to infected, hospitalized, and died with COVID corona. And we've got the meaning of the pendulum's smallest movements laid out by the X, basically saying that we watched every small change, and they overhyped every little detail who have constantly warned us that the dormant Corona monster under our beds, a monster just waiting for us to fall asleep so we can strike the gloom and darkness of the night, right? Hyping the fear that's not really there. The constant mental alertness has worn off tremendously. I think that actually translates to, you know, the stress on our mind. That is why we, the press, must also take stock of our own efforts. And we have failed. We have not, and I the, don't pretend that means that they're being honest. Again, just like we said, I think that's a choice now to admit to make it look like they're finally realizing it in a way that makes it not look like they've been consciously failing you this whole time. We have not been vigilant enough at the garden gate when the authorities were required to answer what it actually meant that people are hospitalized with Corona, not because of Corona. Well, gee, where were you when we were screaming about this? And it wasn't just some fringe discussion. This this was a very large highlighted conversation and it just got censored and disparaged by the fringe grouping of elitists that pretend to be the minority because it makes a difference a big difference with and from exactly the official hospitalization numbers have been shown to be 27% higher i bet you it's way more than that than the actual figure this it's amazing that we're watching this happen in real time and we're still being told we're crazy and we were wrong the whole time isn't that ridiculous here's another one professor a professor in israel the ministry of health it's time to admit failure here's what it reads professor ehud Kimron, head of the Department of Microbiology and Immunology at Tel Aviv University, you know, fringe anti-science conspiracy theorist, of course, and one of the leading Israeli immunologists has written an open letter sharply criticizing the Israeli and indeed the global management of the coronavirus pandemic. Now, it's good he's doing this, but I have to say, where was he before? Where was he a week ago, a month ago? You know, did he only just see this today? Maybe that's what happened. Maybe he saw the change of the narrative or whatever. But see, this is the problematic thing for me. This has been this obvious the whole time. You know that. You've been watching the show. Ministry of Health, it's time to admit failure. In the end, the truth will always be revealed. And the truth about the coronavirus policy is beginning to be revealed. When the destructive concepts collapsed one by one, there is nothing but left but to tell the experts who led the management of the pandemic, we told you so. Now, maybe it's because I missed him saying this before. Now, the way this reads, it does sound like he's been speaking up. So I want to pull that back just in case I didn't miss something that maybe he has been speaking out. And that's why he's frustrated now, which would make sense. Two years late, you finally realize that a respiratory virus cannot be defeated and that any such attempt is doomed to fail. You do not admit it because you have admitted almost no mistake in the last two years. But in retrospect, it is clear that you have failed miserably in almost all of your actions. And even the media is already having a hard time covering your shame. You refuse to admit that mass testing is ineffective, despite your own contingency plans explicitly stating so. This is what we keep pointing out, guys, just like the event 201 citing that we need all these things. And then what happened? They go, oh, we're short all these things. Well, why didn't you listen to what your own study? Because that wasn't why they did that. It was to plant the idea in your mind that we were short. So when it did happen, you go, well, yeah, we well, that makes sense. That's what they do. So if in their own plan, they knew this wasn't going to work and states in their plan, pandemic influenza health system preparedness plan in 2007, that they shouldn't do this because it wouldn't work. Why'd they decide to do it? because it wouldn't work. That's what you need to begin to understand. Just like everything else, the PCR test was chosen because they knew they could abuse the false positive. These are my opinions, but it's based on the data we have in front of us. It says, you insisted on ignoring the fact that the disease is dozens of times more dangerous for risk groups and older adults than for young people who are not in risk groups, despite the knowledge that came from China as early as 2020, or despite the fact that many peer-reviewed studies have shown you that this entire time. You can look at the Oxford risk calculated for COVID right now, and Oxford University will tell you that the vast majority of the population is at less risk than the flu right now. One in a million chance of dying if you're under 19, none of that seems to matter. Because long COVID could be, even though that's also not true, because the peer-reviewed science shows you that. It's just jumping from one thing to the next. You refuse to adopt the Barrington Declaration, which is basically what they're slowly backpedaling into now, signed by more than 60,000 scientists and medical professionals, right? So as they're floating this idea of 300 people that signed something about Joe Rogan show, take note that 60,000 scientists and medical professionals signed the great Barrington Declaration. Much more valid or other common sense programs, you chose to ridicule, slander, distort, and discredit them. You have not set up an effective system for reporting side effects from the vaccines, and reports on side effects have been deleted from Facebook pages. You have ignored many reports of changes in menstrual intensity and menstrual cycle times. There's a lot of that. You hid data that allows for objective and proper research. Instead, you chose to publish non-objective articles together with senior Pfizer executives on the effectiveness of safety vaccines. It's so very clear when you just think about all this, you slandered colleagues who did not surrender to you. You turned like Fauci and Collins and any and Harvard, I believe it was Harvard, Yale, and Oxford epidemiologists and, and uh, vaccinologists, people that were experts in their fields and they called them fringe. Oh, I think they were all epidemiologists. You turned the people against each other, divided society and polarized the discourse. You branded this is the important part, without any scientific basis, people who choose not to get vaccinated as enemies of the public and as spreaders of disease. False. They know that's false. This is the propaganda. You promote, in an unprecedented way, a draconian policy of discrimination, denial of rights and selection of people, including children, for their medical choice. A selection that lacks any epidemiological justification. This is a highly regarded expert, guys, but now he's going to be a fringe weirdo because he says what you're not supposed to say. There is currently no medical emergency, he says, but you have been cultivating such a condition for two years now because of lust for power, budgets, and control. The only emergency now is that you still set policies and hold huge budgets for propaganda and psychological engineering instead of directing them to strengthen the healthcare system. This emergency must stop. Well said. Sadly, I know it'll be dismissed. Here is another example. And this is coming out left and right. Again, because you had an effect. This is from the European Union. Oh, I think this was, maybe this is what I didn't download. I thought I did. It's a shorter one. We'll play it right here. are two
0: concerns here is that if we uh, have a strategy in which we give boosters let's say every four months approximately uh, we will end up potentially having problem with the immune response and the immune response may end up not being as good as we would like it to be so we should be careful in not uh, um, overloading the immune system with repeated immunization and secondly, of course, there is uh, uh, the risk of fatiguing the population with the continuous administration of boosters.
3: How interesting is that? I mean, do you think Biden is even remotely considered, is even aware of this? No, he's just repeating what he's being told. But why is this not being considered? I mean, we're, we're right now, Israel's on to go fourth, going on fifth right now. So is Ontario. So there's a lot of places and european medicines agency is going guys this is not safe i mean we not only is it not safe but it's going to increase create the situation where it'll overwhelm the system are w- are we not seeing exactly that the immune suppression the dysregulation of the immune system and we're watching this happen daily expose keeps talking about the the suggestion of the uh, immune supr- the immunosuppressive uh, or no the uh, immunos what's the term immune suppression dis, dis, uh, I'm blanking on the on the terminology but at the same point a syndrome, that your, your immune system is is collapsing. It's, it's similar to AIDS, right? And this is what we're seeing happen. At least the data seems to suggest this. And he's telling you right there, as well as the fact that WHO is coming out right now and saying what they're doing is not the way this should be done. We'll get to that in a second. But that doesn't matter anymore because we've so far passed the idea of pretending that we shouldn't challenge the WHO. You still can't, but they've broken that a thousand times over since then. But here is why. Biden came out and said, please, please censor them. You mean the groups that are already censoring us? Pretty much. How does that even make sense? They're already doing it. So what is he doing exactly? He's saying, as I said, translation, please stop these honest investigators and journalists by censoring their channels and accounts because they're destroying our agenda. Please stop them from ruining our plan. That's what he's saying. You want to hear?
2: Unfortunately, while our military is stepping up, as they always do, there are others sitting on the sidelines, and we're standing in the way. If you haven't gotten vaccinated, do it. Personal choice impacts us all. Our hospital
3: isn't that pathetic how they keep saying if if it was a personal choice. This wouldn't be stated every thirty seconds. He wouldn't come back on tomorrow and say, "You should do this. You should do this. You're putting people in danger. You got to do Blah blah. It's a choice, though. It's a choice. This, I mean, again, as I've said many times, this is how stupid they think we are. They can stare you right in the face and tell you you have to do this, and if you don't, you're going to get attacked and disparaged, and you're going to lose your job. But but your choice matters. They treat you like you're a child.
2: Hospitals are covered. Personal choice impacts us all our hospitals our countries i make a special appeal to social media companies and media outlets please deal with the misinformation and disinformation that's on your shows it has to stop covid 19 is one of the most formidable enemies america has ever faced we've got to work together not against each
3: other man and he just barely struggling through that i mean he could barely put those words together he's clearly reading right off the screen calling them shows please take it off your shows right so the youtube show please take it off the youtube show the twitter show please censor those things right i mean the guy doesn't even know what he's talking about but the bottom the bottom line is he's openly calling for more censorship like literally saying please step in there and delete what we're asking you to delete i mean don't miss how crazy that is they used to pretend like that was never there even though like Atlantic Council, the government is so obviously hand in hand with these platforms, but now he's openly saying do this and they're doing that. So let's not miss that. But also before, as he's talking about personal choice, I thought it was a good time to reiterate the reality that, you know, the UNESCO, which is all the United Nations Educational, Scientific and Cultural Organization that, you know, the United Nations of which the United the United States pretends to be a part From 2005, Universal Declaration on Bioethics and Human Rights, right? This is international law. And by the way, U.S. law is the same, but they just don't care. They never have. But what does it tell you? Very clearly, uh, where right here it was, oh, did I miss it? Oh, right here. Under Human Dignity dignity and Human Rights. Article 3, number 2, the interest and welfare of the individual, you, should have priority over the sole interest of science or society. So so he he is arguing the exact opposite, that your personal choice has consequences. No, well, that doesn't matter, though. See, I get to choose my choice for my body in whatever I factor that, however I want to factor that in. And international law and U.S. law backs that up. They don't care because they go fear, danger, COVID. So those things go put, get put aside. We care about your rights up until we say you're in danger and then we just pretend they don't count because that adds up, right? That means it never really counted in in the first place then finally under consent as i always point out the consent should where appropriate be expressed and maybe withdrawn by the person you concerned at any time for any reason without disadvantage or prejudice obviously that's not happening disadvantage or prejudice is their bread and butter today and doesn't matter that it violates international law who cares right a special appeal to social media companies again the point that he makes down here in just together who is he talking to <laughs> The big social media platforms couldn't be more on board, right? We all see that. I think he is saying, please believe my story about a threat that doesn't exist. Then agree to the censorship laws that I and my big tech partners want to enforce. We hate the constitution. Exactly. Either way you want to look at that, right? It's, it's, he, this could be another mini false flag, right? I mean, it's like, you're just, point is that it's crazy to pretend that this is normal and that the idea that COVID justifies all of this. This is the reality of what they've always been coming out. That's what it is. Now, on the last part on this, before we jump into the a couple of the booster points, here's what it says on the, looking at the CDC data, because people keep asking me, like dissect that data too. I'm going to show you why I don't. It is intentionally, in, I mean, impossibly convoluted. First of all, before I show you the data, here's what it says on the drop down menu on the CDC website on this data tracker, and I find this to be very interesting. Oh, another small thing I noted missed that I didn't notice before was that the the this part, which we'll get to, it does actually have the hospitalizations over here on a different category, which I didn't notice the other day, which wasn't necessarily the point I was making, but I said that offhandedly, which is the thing I said before. That's when these mistakes tend to happen, which is my fault. Then I just said, oh, look, they're missing hospitalizations, but it's there, but we'll get back to it in a second. Here's what it says. These data were posted on December 17th, 2021. And reflect cases among persons with a positive specimen collection date through December 20th, Even November 20th. And this is one of the most important parts to me. And deaths among persons with a positive collect specimen collection date through October 30th. So what are we missing right there? Their data, which by the way, ask why for whatever reason the CDC can't manage to put up data up until January when literally everybody else can do that. Scotland, UK, everybody. Here they are back in November, October. That's the most up-to-date they have right now. Now, what does that seem to omit? Oh, that's right. Omicron forward. Hmm. I wonder why. Well, keep that in mind as we go forward. A fully vaccinated person, they say, had SARS-CoV-2 RNA or antigen detected on a respiratory specimen collected more than, uh, equal to or more than 14 days after completing the primary series of an FDA-authorized or approved vaccine. And I just want to point out, just possibly, there's a couple of caveats that you could argue in there. One non-authorized test, but I argue that's not the point, but rather somebody who did in fact a fully injected person who had a respiratory specimen collected less than 14 days. Now, just a, just a point that, that there's a weird, there could be a grouping in there that might not be included, but it says ha- an unvaccinated person had SARS-CoV-2 antigen te- uh, detected on a respiratory specimen and has not been verified to have received a COVID vaccine. This is just the breakdown of the definitions. Excluded were partially vaccinated people who received at least one of these doses, but did not complete the primary series, again, uh, greater than or equal to 14 days before the collection of the specimen. So I just find there'd be an interesting point in there where there's something that would be missed in that 14 day period. Deaths, a COVID-19 associated death occurred in a person with a documented COVID-19 diagnosis who died. That's again, the same thing we're making, the same point we're making. A COVID-19 associated death. I mean, they're saying it right there. That's that. So it's with, they're including with. And that's a manipulation with a documented COVID-19 diagnosis who died. So just if you are told you have COVID and then you eventually die, that's counted as a death. Specifically in the UK, which we prove. but in this case, I think they have some kind of a time frame. but either way, you could just get in a car accident and that will be counted. Just wanted to point that out. Rates of COVID-19 deaths by vaccination status are reported based on when the patient was tested for COVID, not the date they died. So there's all these just weird caveats and you could argue this data could be manipulated using these things. Deaths usually occur at the 30 days after the diagnosis. Okay, so that being stated, the main point for me was the dates. Here, first of all, before we get to that last page, I want to just show you how, this is impossible. These are broken down by, I, I mean, random dates. i see seen this just starts on April 4th. Strange. And it's day, day by day with the outcome and then the age. So this is all April 4th broken down by the individual ages of week 14. And then each one by here's the vaccinated outcome. They claim here's the fully vaccinated population. Here's the unvaccinated outcome they claim. And here's the unvaccinated population. And then just a bunch of numbers associated with lots. And I mean, it's just so it's a lot that convolutes the whole point. I mean, just to simply look at this, which, by the way, is also convoluted, broken down half and half, or even this, for example. These are pretty clear. Non vaccinated versus the doses and the total, right? You tell me that this is not a very obviously, you have to, you don't have, you have to take a lot of time to break down each day. You have to go through okay, 12 to 17, take the number, go down to the next day, take the number, go on to the next day, and do that for an entire month or week. Or, I mean, it's just, and then, and then how do you verify this stuff? I, you get, the point is, this is obviously hard, and I wanted to break down this one too. If there's you can you can go in here and say, okay, well, I'm going to break down by filters, and say, okay, by death, or how about we just do case instead? but you can do death and case, by the way, and still only case shows up. I don't understand that. Oh, actually, I think it's probably maybe at the end here. Let's, I don't I don't want to look. The point was, you can do case. Just look at the case it's the same way. All it does is change it to the case right here. Why won't that stop? There we go. Or just death and do the same thing. And you can see it changes by death. But the point is the same, that you have to go through each one. And if you go down to the end, you can see that it only only goes to September 9th. Or uh, where is the last one? September, October 10th. That's it. October 10th is where that stops. I find that to be absolutely ridiculous. Since I did go forward, let's do this real quick and just see if it does show up. Yeah, it does look like it does. But there's no comparison. Like, there's no way to look at that side by side. Yeah, see, the deaths do show up. But going to the next part, you can do this by roll up or drill down. What are these different things are? So let's just say I want to go, okay, outcome, perfect. I want to see the outcome comparison. Look at what it shows you. That's it. Okay, death, case, there's no drop down. Okay, well, just the na- the word death and the word case, how in the world does that even make sense? Where was it? Filter? Oh, yeah, right here. So the same point, scroll, drop down, let's go to another one. Try to keep it okay, by month or by sort or add outcome, add descending. I mean, you add all this stuff and it doesn't do anything. Anyway, the point is the same. I find this to be intentionally ridiculous. This whole setup is intentionally designed to where, in my opinion, it becomes next to impossible to take anything solid away from this. And then you're taking what they're presenting at face value, which I don't think we should do. But taking this to the last part, here is the graph they present. Oh, that's right. It was weird. It did that last time. I only had this one part highlighted, I think. Okay, let me refresh this. There it goes. Okay. So this is cases and deaths specifically, and there is hospitalizations over there. But what I want to show you is the same point. This is November. That's where it stops. Here is November 14th. I'm mad that I didn't catch that last time, because think about this, guys. If right now, at least what they're saying and what the world seems to be seeing, what Scotland and UK are all pointing at is Omicron has changed everything, right? So that I argue we would see an aggressive slant in one direction and they're just keeping that from your view. But if I could, I would go through this and break this down in a much more detailed way and tell you what I'm seeing. But I'm not I find it to be impossible. I just wanted to point that out because I think that this is exactly why we're not doing that, because I think we're seeing I think the United States government and the CDC specifically are hiding more than anybody. Their previous their history of lying to you about everything is makes that pretty possible, very clear in my opinion. But to move forward. Here is exactly what many of us have been highlighting. They've convinced people that being unvaccinated literally means you're sick by default. It's irrational, unscientific, and just dangerous. Here's Rob pointing out, his mother-in-law just told him this. Unvaccinated people who don't have COVID are now spreading it to vaccinated people. This is what people are literally thinking this way. Okay, you're unvaccinated, which means you don't have an injection. You don't have COVID. And yet they're arguing that your body being present is now the reason this thing is spreading amongst vaccinated people. This has gotten so far off the rails. I mean, I've even seen they're now going, oh, we have so many COVID cases that we're just going to stop counting them. Does that sound scientific to you or a way to just go forward with the constant that, well, we know there's so many cases because they're not even reporting them anymore. Well, that's a little self-serving, isn't it? I didn't even see this before. If I don't get vaccinated, I'm 100% protected against the vaccine side effects and 99.8% protected against the COVID. That's a good deal. Yeah, good point. I mean, this is what we're seeing today. And I think this is an intentional effort. And yet we're watching them push this only on the people who are seemingly the least part of the problem. Here's Australia telling you that they're now going to mandate the booster for the next phase, which again was fake news right up until it wasn't just like all the rest of it. Following workers will soon
4: be required to show evidence that they have received that three vaccine dose, including the third uh, dose, or to have a valid uh, medical exemption before attending work.
3: Which, by the way, they dismiss all the time, the majority. So that's just, that's mostly a lie when they say, "Yeah, medical, religious." But we'll re- we'll dismiss them out of hand. And those groups are healthcare workers,
4: aged care workers, disability workers, emergency service workers, correction facilities workers, hotel quarantine workers, food distribution workers, including manufacturing, warehousing transport of both freight and port workers involved in food distribution Uh, but not at this stage are the supermarket retail workers but I have more to say about um, other uh, groups shortly and uh, finally the abattoir meat, poultry and seafood processing workers all of these groups are already covered by existing mandates for those first two uh, vaccinations, and uh, this is a sensible addition for the relatively high risk nature that these sectors operate. When it comes to vaccine protection, and of course their critical contribution
3: to keeping Victoria operating. Now, what's crazy is again this is justified by Omicron, right? That's what they're saying. Something that is visibly less dangerous, and, and many people argue is the le- the best thing we could hope for. And they're just stepping on that and going, we're all going to die. So here's the next push. Obviously, that's planned. I mean, everyone's doing it simultaneously. uh, Israel jumped right out of the gate. And next one, Omicron, we're all going to die. Same thing. That's not even remotely true. Their data shows you that. It's all, I mean, realize that what he's saying is we're pushing this on healthcare workers. So now you've got all these healthcare workers taking the injection that's causing them to spread amongst themselves. That's continuing to spread amongst the people around them which means people they're trying to help, which means they're the ones progressing and continuing what's happening. Even if that's not COVID alone at all or a variant at all, but just simply whatever the vaccine is creating, which continues to spread, like the spike protein, which by the way, the Salk Institute told you a long time ago, in and of itself can cause disease. My good time to revisit that real quick, since that's something we haven't talked about in a minute. Right? I mean, this is a really important uh, April 30th. This is, and this is the point that they're making in this is they showed or was it oh they looks like they've updated this article a little bit i bet you they changed something because this has been pointed to so many times but it says right here exposure to this uh it says proving that the spike protein alone was enough to cause disease right so we know that as dr warren who was the the invent the discoverer of mrna who spoke out on twitter himself who they censored before they realized he was the expert that in, in discovered the damn stuff then Put him back, but he's, he's now very clearly on the side of Dr. Malone and everybody else. He's, he openly said, of course the spike protein can shed. Of course it can. So if we know it can spread and if we know the spike protein itself can cause disease, which means it can then get you sick, which can then spread again. What happens when that happens? Is that COVID 19? Is it something of its own creation? Is it a bioweapon? Who knows? The bottom line is that's what's being called, whatever they want it to be called. And it's definitely a part of this. So. These people are going to be the ones spreading whatever we're dealing with. And they're going to point to you in your home alone without anything happening as the one that's causing it. That's how crazy stupid this is. Now, as, as I as I wrote, basically just calling this for man mandating the booster, despite all the data showing the minimal, if any, to quote the Pfizer CEO, protection, wanes immediately dropping off almost entirely after two months. Don't forget. That the data that came out around the booster, the third and the fourth, have already shown you that this is going to wane just like all the rest of them. So why would they? Why would they just jump to the next one? Because it's part of the plan. Here's the Quebec health minister telling the same thing. Remember, we already showed you this. That now the third dose is required to get your passport. So if you got two, you're now unvaccinated. Shocking, I know. Same point here. This is what they're saying. As I said, yet another conspiracy theory becomes conspiracy fact. Now anyone with two doses in Australia and coming to a town near you is unvaccinated until they get the third. And those who refuse will be the newest anti-vaxxers, despite having had two already. Quebec's doing the same thing. And this one, uh, this was Australia as well. Let's play this clip. This couldn't be more clear guys. They're shifting into the next step.
0: This really needs to be seen not so much as a booster, but as a, vaccination program to be fully vaccinated to be fully protected and to and to play your part in protecting all of us it's not one dose it's not two doses
3: and again there's the collective idea that's not what international law or i mean i i don't know specifically off the top of my head no uh oh excuse me this isn't uh oh it is it is never mind but i i don't know the the specific location uh what am I trying to policy? Like, you know, the point being is that I know that in the US and I know that in, in international law specifically that you have rights bioethically speaking. I don't know exactly if in Australia, if it's the same, but my, I do know that the idea of pretending that you don't have rights when it comes to you know, the collective state. And by the way, that's not even the truth. What they're arguing is what is what the collective needs to be safe. It's not even the reality. But then they're saying they need to force you to do it so that can be saved. None of that adds up with international law, previous law, anything. It's, this is all mandate, tyrannical state. This is authoritarian government style.
0: Very clearly. It's in fact three doses. To be fully vaccinated, to be fully protected, and to, and to play your part in protecting all of us, it's not one dose, it's not two doses, it's in fact three doses.
3: So just clear the terminology, he just said, to be fully vaccinated, it's three doses. So you are no longer fully vaccinated if you don't have three doses. That's how it.
0: we will pull this up, and it's how we'll also be protected uh, as we push into the year. Who knows what variant is coming around the corner at us. It's very...
3: Exactly. Really... Right, because who knows? Who knows what's coming next, right? So just keep taking them until we tell you to stop. Well, guys, here is what... The, this is the WHO. An interim statement on COVID-19 vaccines in the context of Omicron. This was this was this this came out on the 11th of January. Did the media report this? Did, did all the governments stop what they were doing? No. I thought we weren't supposed to challenge WHO guidelines. How did that shift? Interesting, right? Here's what it says. A vaccination strategy based on repeated booster doses of the original vaccine composition is unlikely to be appropriate or sustainable. But, of course, what they're actually pivoting into is we need to change the original dose. Right? the composition. Nonetheless, what they're literally telling you right now is that what they're giving you right this moment based on what's inside of it and how it's working should not be done. It's not appropriate or sustainable. Is it stopping? Clearly not. Australia, New Zealand, all of them, they're still good. They're rushing forward. This was three three days ago. Do they care? Obviously not. What this is meant to do, though, is pivot into the conversation that what we need to do is change the makeup. Just change the composition. Oh, guess what? Lucky for you, Pfizer's already been, they're already 50 days into a 100-day process to make one for Omicron, even though that's not important, even though it's the last thing we need, even though it's going to be different in a week from now. But who cares? That's just a step into that direction. But the point is, the current WHO guideline means that every government right now doing that is challenging it as of this moment. But who cares, right? It's just a means to an end to the next point, the next agenda. Because here's what Reuters reported it as. I love this. So this is really what they're saying, that it's not currently sustainable or appropriate. And how they report it is, they mean to make new new vaccines. <laughs> of course, that's what they pluck out of it, right? That's what they want you to think. Just keep going. Just keep trusting the plan. Well, this is what it looks like to live in Italy today. This is the authoritarian world they're build, building around this never-ending cycle of vaccination.
4: put it Green
3: pass. Everywhere you go. Green pass. There it is. Check. Check. So guys, you're checked everywhere you go. No matter what you do. You have to check and prove that you're healthy. And not even that that means you're healthy, by the way. It doesn't. That's not even remotely what that means. All it means is that you've done what you're told. That's all it means. You've done what the government asked you to do. Therefore, you can continue living your life. But wait a minute. I thought this was a free country. No, not anymore. Not since the COVID clown world and since, you know, your fear and your hypothetical, you know, it's, it's just incredible. We've watched the breakdown of, of human uh, critical thinking, objectivity. Just makes you wonder if it was really truly there to begin with in a lot of cases. But it's obvious. You can't get on the bus. You can't go in the store. You can't go in the. That's what they live in now. This is an authoritarian technocratic society. It's amazing how we said that would happen. Remember in the beginning, how they vaccine passports were this crazy, all of 2020 vaccine passports were the tinfoil hat absurdity. And then in 2021, you were a tinfoil hat absurdity if you didn't believe that they were necessary on a dime. Here is when they tell you, you have a choice, but as they outline all the choices they're going to remove from your, from your life if you don't take the choice they're telling you is your choice, I find that an interesting, important point to think about. Maybe they're not. They're, maybe they're allowing you to make this choice, quote unquote, make this choice, but removing literally every other part of your life around it. So sure, sure, it's your choice. Well, we're going to destroy your life around that, but it's still your choice.
0: Life will become very difficult for the unvaccinated from January 31.
3: That's called punitive. They're punishing you for not taking an experimental injection right now.
0: No pubs, no bottle shops, no gym, no yoga classes, no gigs, no dance, dance floors, no hospital or aged care visits. If you go and get vaccinated today, you can have your second dose by early February. But if you choose to remain unvaccinated, and at this point, it certainly is your choice. You're choosing to put yourself at risk. You're choosing to put the people around you at risk and you're choosing to increase the burden on our health staff.
3: So this is again, this is exactly the same point. How exactly as an unvaccinated person are you putting a burden on health staff? How exactly as an unvaccinated person are you risking people around you? It could you could you could say it's possible. Right, as an unvaccinated person, it's possible that you could spread this disease. Well, you could also say as a vaccinated person, it's possible to spread this disease. You could say that it's possible as an unvaccinated person to risk people around you. You could also say that it's possible as a vaccinated person to risk people around you. You see, there's literally no difference. But when they pretty much just argue that unvaccinated equals sick, well, there you go. Now you are doing that. If you're vaccinated, well, it's possible. But if you're unvaccinated, you're doing that. It's fake news. I mean, this is blatant misrepresentation. They want you to be the enemy. Therefore, as an unvaccinated person, you are now the enemy. This is classic. And you look at any situation of a rise of authoritarian government, this is what happened. Every single time, there's a part of the population that is picked out and decided you are the enemy. And we need to focus on them and take them out. Here we are. You're now being punished because you're not sick. Think about that. Finally, this was the one I referenced the other day. And just wanted to include it in case you guys hadn't seen it. Ronald McDonald House in Vancouver. Like speaking of these government, these are people literally saying we're going to make your life hell. We're going to make sure you can't live your life. Well, does that include the the, the five year olds who are unvaccinated? Well, apparently so. Apparently these people hate the children that are unvaccinated because they're applying it to them too. Ronald McDonald House, and this is in Vancouver, of course, has served in an eviction notice on an unvaccinated child who has a serious illness including cancer and his parents are kicked out. I mean, it's just sinister. It's despicable. So is this child's unvaccinated? I mean, how about the fact that they have cancer or other immunosuppressive issues? And you're literally going to tell them to take an injection when we don't know if that's safe. I mean, it's just so disgusting to me that we're pretending this makes sense even remotely. This is the data I keep showing you as the most up-to-date. This is the most up-to-date version from the European Union for Pfizer's injection. Use in immunocompromised patients. The safety profile of the vaccine is not known in immunocompromised individuals. Does that not matter? I mean, there's all. I mean, it gets into all sorts of ones in here. The autoimmune inflammatory disorders, limited information about that, interaction with other vaccines, studies to determine whether it's dangerous have not been performed. How about just long-term data? Long-term safety data is unknown. This hasn't November, 2021, but sure, we're going to pretend like it's dangerous for this kid to not take something as a child that has no risk of getting, not statistically significant, zero. According to the CDC, remember, they put they still have the child children under a certain age at a zero, zero percent. It's statistically insignificant. It's that low. It's like 0. 0.00001. And here we are attacking that child because they don't do what they're told to do. Because the government said so, even though you're putting a child who needs that on the street. I'll let you watch this for yourself. I mean, it's disgusting to watch (sighs) them. these people. And the worst part about it is the person kicking this child out of this charity, so-called charity, are the ones pretending like they're the good ones, right? We are the, we have integrity. We're the good people for kicking a child on the street who is sick because they didn't take an injection they don't need. See, they've already removed all the good people. All the doctors and nurses with integrity and morals were all the ones that were forced to leave. Now we're stuck with a system with only the ones pretending to be good people left. Makes me sick. Here is something that might happen to that child. Should they take this injection? On top of the thousand other things we know are much more severe and risky, but here's one more adding to the list. Oh, and don't forget, this was published in October 2021. Yeah, I guess they just missed that in the mainstream reporting. It, this is not hypothetical. Peer-viewed Journal of Hepat- Hepatology. Immune-mediated hepatitis with Moderna. No longer a coincidence, but confirmed. As I've told you many times, how often do you see scientific publications use that kind of terminology? Confirmed. So we know, as a matter of fact, that this is immune, autoimmune hepatitis. Added to the list. This child that doesn't need, who already has immune issues as cancer and whatever else he's dealing with, you're going to give him an injection that confirmed creates immune mediated hepatitis. And that's, that's a good thing. And you're going to force him out of there because he won't do that. Or the myocarditis risk or Bell's palsy or the strokes and heart attacks and blood clots and everything else it's causing. But we're crazy. Here's what it says. This case illustrates immune-mediated hepatitis secondary to the Moderna vaccine, which on inadvertent re-exposure led to worsening liver injury with deranged synthetic function. This occurred in a well man with no other medical problems. The onset of jaundice associated with the mRNA vaccine was unusually rapid. This was also illustrated in the other cases where symptoms developed over a median of seven days average seven days between range four to 35. So recognize that even after a month, it can still start and it will be associated with the injection. And the point being that they pretend anything that long after couldn't possibly be completely false. The mRNA vaccine pathway triggers pro-inflammatory cytokines. How many times have we talked about this? Pro-inflammatory cytokines, including interferon and cross- Reactivity has been illustrated between the antibodies against the spike protein and self antigens. Guys, this backs this backs up a thousand different discussions about antibody dependent enhancement, a lot of different things we talked about. And this is where it gets even more relevant. Seven cases of suspected immune-mediated hepatitis have been reported with mRNA vaccines. Three with Pfizer, four with Moderna. So it's almost 50-50. So Moderna is the mo- the main with four, but realize it's guys, it's mRNA vaccines. That's what it is. Immune-mediated hepatitis. Liver histology was assessed in every case, and findings were similar to ours in other studies, indicating acute hepatitis with inter- interface hepatitis, lymphoplasmacytic infiltrate, and absence of fibrosis. This case has confirmed immune-mediated hepatitis secondary to the Moderna vaccine, and Pfizer apparently, long-term follow-up of identified individuals will be essential in determining the prognosis of this immune-mediated immune mediated liver injury. Okay, so after October, everyone jumped into action, and the media reported it, and everybody started looking out for this case because we can't let this happen, right? No. It got shoved away, nobody talked about it, and they didn't care. But it's confirmed, though. Peer-reviewed science, though. Don't they care about this? Don't they supposed to trust the science? Why wouldn't they be yelling at you guys? You need to know there's a confirmed immune-mediated liver issue, immune—what uh, Im, Im, uh, Im, did I mispronounce that? <laughs> a immune-mediated hepatitis. It could happen to your children, to your family, especially if you already have an issue with immune system. But but nobody wants to talk about it. This is October fourth. It really upsets me. Now here in the same document, by the way. This is the same document, that one I keep showing you about the immune stuff. Here's the main page, community risk plan from November 25th. Same document. Here's what it says. This is following up after the immune-mediated hepatitis. Remember, we've actually shown you this on a different document, discussing where the lipid nanoparticles build up. And remember that these are the very things that created the largest issue in every coronavirus vaccine before COVID-19. The increase of lipid nanoparticles caused dramatic severe adverse events. And the only way they could get that to stop is by lowering them. But if they lowered them, the mRNA instructions weren't delivered properly. And they stopped and they failed. And as I've said many times, that was never addressed. How'd they get this current version to work? Well, they simply increased lipid nanoparticles. And we're watching that happen in the world today the continuation of the severe adverse events. That's exactly how they failed before. They never fixed the problem. All they did was ignore the adverse event part of that. Prove me wrong. I've covered this a thousand times and they keep that what the data shows. My point is, here's what it says in this information about the lipid nanoparticles. Under non-clinical part of the safety specification, here's what it says. And again, you can see up here, it's talking specifically about the Pfizer injection. It says, the novel lipid excipients in the lipid nanoparticle formulation, and you remember we just talked about this, the ALC0315 and the ALC0159, these are the two different lipid nanoparticles they're using, distribute from the plasma to the liver. Okay, so that's pretty clear. And we already told you, showed you this, spleen and liver were two of the largest locations this built up in your body. Well, shouldn't that matter when we're openly discussing an immune-mediated hepatitis issue specifically focused on the liver? Yeah, it should. Apparently, don't care about it, though. While there was no detectable excretion of either lipid in the urine, this goes to the point that she that uh, I think it was Reese was making on, on Twitter the other day, the percent of dose excreted unchanged in feces was only 1% for ALC0315 and 50% for ALC0159. So basically, 99% of one of those lipid nanoparticles was unaccounted for. 1% came out in your feces. The other one was 50%. So 99% of one, 50% of the other, unaccounted for. And here's what they say next. Further studies indicate metabolism played a role in the elimination of just the 315, 0, 315. Okay, so 1% is accounted for in your in your feces. And they just go, well, metabolism played a role in the elimination of the rest of it. What? Well, we already know the truth of this. That's why they ambiguously wrote that. It builds up in your body. Their own data made that clear. It showed a buildup in in the spleen, in your liver, in your reproductive organs. Biodistribution was assessed using luciferase expression as a surrogate reporter formulated like COVID-19 mRNA vaccine with the identical lipid composition. The point is they use the luciferase. It's an, an luminescence that goes through your body and they can see it pop up and whatever else. Luciferase was detected to a lesser degree extent in the liver. So right there, beyond a doubt, it shows you that it does build up in your liver. Pretty clear, which is not used to be expected because of the way the body processes stuff, but it's more than just your liver. It says outside the injection site, total recovery of radioactivity was greatest in the liver and much lower in the spleen, but in your spleen, very little recovery in the adrenal glands and ovaries. Okay. It's very clear. If you understand this, that it There's a whole level of the lipid nanoparticles that are not accounted for, that are in your body, which clearly in history, in in past coronavirus vaccines were the very culprit causing these injections or the adverse events. But on top of that, we now remember that the spike protein is also cytotoxic. It's causing these problems in your body. So everything's building to add all this to your body, not just the failure of the injection or intentional hurt, but that the, the spike protein itself is causing these problems. And it's building up in your body. And that's leading to things like this, immune-mediated hepatitis, or every other problem we're discussing. And they just pretend like it's not there. Peer-reviewed science, everything. This is why it's so frustrating for those of us like, by the way, I believe is the majority. We just need to get everyone to realize we're the majority. We see it. This is why they're forced to roll this back. We see what's happening. They see that we see what's happening and all they can do is try to pretend that we are not the majority. Now, this is where I want to wrap this up on a point that I think is really important. Let me close a couple of tabs real quick. This is in regard to specifically the mysterious medical disorder that we've talked about before. Oh, by the way, this was the uh, discussion we had around the lipid nanoparticles. And people have also reached out about that discussion as well, arguing that the not for human use is a differentiation they make. And I feel like I made that clear that they said that. At least I read their argument about it. Rocks the show if you don't understand what I'm getting at. There's a Euro- member of parliament in the European Union reached out to them and saying, look, why do they say not for human use? They're using them in the injections and so on. You can look at it for yourself. They even changed what wrote on their website. So I don't know. I feel like there's some interesting stuff happening there. But taking this into mind. The idea that these lipid nanoparticles are causing weird stuff, they're going all around your body, the spike proteins going around your body, these things in some ways are finding their ways into your brain. We've seen brain infections and all sorts of other things happen because of these injections that have been pointed to by doctors. So when we start seeing this again, January 4th, 2022, not a joke, brain buster, (laughs) mystery brain illness baffles Canadian doctors as cases spread in young people. Now, if this was the only story, of course we would ask, you know, could this be the injection? And obviously point out how, how absurd it is. that They won't even factor that in. We won't even ask, could it be? Because they know they're not allowed to do that. But what's funny to me is not that it's being, that they're choosing to not consider the reality, that's po- the, the obvious possible reality. They know this can cause things in the brain. That's been shown. Rare, rare, rare. But then they don't talk about it when it's possible. It's weird brain, but it's okay. The point is January 4th. Let's take a quick dance back through time and see, weirdly, how many times they've been baffled by the same thing and how long it's been going on. And ask yourself, how can they be baffled by a new story for two years straight? Hmm, that's very weird. Okay, let's go back a little bit. Here is January 2nd. Whistleblower warns baffling illness affects growing number of young adults. Whistleblower? What do you mean whistleblower? There's not a secret. They're not hiding. They're openly pushing this into the discussion. But it's it's amazing the way they frame this stuff. You're not a whistleblower if you're not challenging. If you come out and say what everybody else is saying, but you're just part of a group that's studying that, you're not a whistleblower. You're aligning with the narrative. That's the opposite of whistleblower. It's just so pathetic. But you'll, you'll see why they need to do this. They're trying to make this more real. Let's keep going. Going back January 2nd. Let's go back. Oh, whoops. This was, uh, how did that happen? Oh, I see what I did there. That was weird. Way over the top. Okay. Whistleblower, January 2nd. Here's January, June 7th, 2021. All that time and their mysterious brain illness. Here's what we know so far. I bet you they, let me see that. I bet you even they use this. Yeah, they did. I didn't even know, by the way. I just was looking for the word baffled. It's the same, everything. It has baffled many Canadian experts and top neurologists. Okay. So from June seventh all the way until January fourth, half a year later, brainbuster, mysterious illness, and it's not even. And they're not even going. We've been looking at this since July. They just or June. They're just, they're just acting like it's a new story. It's a brand new story. Breaking news. Here, going back to June fourth, mysterious brain syndrome stumps Canadian doctors. Isn't it weird? Let's keep going. May 5th, doctors investigate mystery brain disease in Canada. Oh, baffled, absolutely baffled. I bet you it's, let's see. <laughs> I swear I didn't look for this. Look at this, came across the baffling disease in 2015. Isn't that funny? There's a coordination to this, guys. And of course, the point when you're going back to 2015 is you try to make a point back to this from before. Now, this the point is this has been clearly coming up since the beginning of the vaccine administration. Here's the next one. Mysterious brain disease, April 1st. Affects dozens of Canadians. Isn't it weird that it's it's the same story? Dozens and 20, causing teeth chattering and hallucinations. Next one, going back to March 30th, 2021. Mysterious brain disorder baffles Canadian doctors. Isn't it weird? I'm just baffled, guys. Are you baffled? Here's the next one. March 18th. Environmental, environment, a chief suspect (laughs) in mystery neurological disease. Okay, here's the best part. This is where it started, or for the most part. And they, of course, were like, well, environment or water or something. That's the easiest way to to kick it out to something else. We don't know yet what's it's coming from. So the first point to make is, is it's pretty ridiculous to pretend from March 18th to January 4th, 2022, that they're just still baffled. But maybe they haven't figured it out. But, but how about what, what have you done so far? Every article is the same thing. This new thing that we're confused about is baffling people. Well, how about it's not very new, even in March 18th. How about we take a step back further in T-Lab coverage, which hopefully you guys remember, to go, wait a minute. What about that weird baffling illness in the brain It was in India? Remember that? In, uh, what was it? What was the place again? Uh, Adrena Pradesh, if I'm saying it properly. I I have my article next. Here's the point. This is December 8, 2020. Do you remember the story? The point was, India had a massive vaccine trial going on in this province. And yes, it wasn't exactly neighboring to this, but it was in the same province. Now, in the same province is where they had this weird, baffling, mystery brain disease. Back then, when there was a trial going on, when it wasn't happening most anywhere else. Now, I'm not saying I can prove anything, but correlation does mean something. And it's interesting to me that nobody has put this together. Here's my story back then. India's mystery illness was in the same location as COVID vaccine trial. And all they did was go, ah, something in the water, you know, lead in the water or something. It was a really lazy argument, and it's the same thing they pretty much did in the beginning of this. And then it went from month month to month to month to month to month to month to month. And there's way more than that, by the way. I just picked one out every so month or so, all the way to here where they're still going brain buster. Mystery brain illness. Come on, guys. This is how bad this has gotten. My opinion? This is very clearly being caused by the one clear caveat the injection being added and the very clear thing we know it can do to a super rare degree, they say. Exactly this. At the very least, as we keep saying with every other discussion, we should be able or willing to ask the question. Just ask the question just like in this conversation. Starting with this. The vaccine issue is now taking center stage in the tennis world. Georgia's number one, quits the match in Australia. Why? Due to breathing difficulties. The, some of the people, like soccer players, by the way, who have to have some of the highest level, you know, they do breathing exercises for this stuff, guys. These people are some of the most highly level athletes in the world. And yet in the biggest game of the year, not this is in a, te- in a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, like an open level, like these are high level games. When the history of sports, when in the history of sports, have we seen so many top level athletes falling dead or having issues like this? And he had to quit. He really believed that he would quit the game in the middle if it was some normal breathing issue that he just couldn't catch his breath. No, as I said, just ask the obvious question. You know what it is. Then realize that this is so obvious that other players, commentators, sports writers, etc are all beginning to speak out as well. Many being censored when they do. I'm not saying I can prove that this is caused by anything other than just the possibility, but we need to ask the question. It is obvious, and this is one of the best articles to make that clear. This I forget the last time we updated it, but it's been probably a week. Let's look at it. Update, 423, it's now 445. Just in 2021, guys, 445 athletes have had cardiac arrests. And these are ones that this site has confirmed have had the injection. At the bottom, you'll find a whole nother grouping of people that haven't been confirmed to have the injection. Now, that doesn't mean you can prove it's because of the injection. And anybody honest is willing to say that. But if you're unwilling to ask whether it's being caused by it with that much, and that is exponentially more than what the NIH 20-year study found should be happening in a given year, 1.46 per 100,000 per year, it's way more than that around the world, children included. If you're unwilling to ask the question, just acknowledge that you're choosing to hide from the real information. You're choosing to not look at what's happening in your face because you don't want to challenge your choices. 261 dead. Disgusting. Now here's another article that somebody sent, and this is just in a month, and you can dive into this for yourself. At least 69 athletes collapse in one month. How do we pretend that's normal? It's not. Damn it. I think my screen is freezing on me here. I hope you guys aren't cutting out. Now you might, you probably saw a lot of these tweets that I shared not too long ago, but this is really upsetting to me. This is propaganda from British Heart Foundation. And when I say propaganda for a reason, as I said, now even using collapsing athletes in ad propaganda for the British Heart Foundation while promoting future technology outside the context of COVID or the jab, of course, to make it seem like it's always been that way. It hasn't. They know we see it. And that's why they're including casual references to collapsing athletes that we've literally never seen like this before, even remotely. Like, as I said, when the start, when's the last time any of you even ever saw an athlete fall on their face in the middle of a game? I've never seen that before. Sure. It's happened. I even saw a 2019 example that was circulating that I, I, I'm i glad I looked up because I looked up and found it was from 2019, so I didn't include it in the conversation. It doesn't mean it's not relevant. It could have been caused by some other injection from the past. The point, nonetheless, is that, or it could have just been a heart problem, that happens too, is that there's been an explosion of this since this started. And here's the kind of garbage you're seeing to make you think that it's always been that way. Dang, man, my, my whole computer is freezing on me. I hope you guys aren't cutting out. Come on, dang it. Damn it. That was
2: it. You can have a great first day. He was a scientific
5: hypothesis. He was a groundbreaking innovation.
3: A child, my future breakthrough, or teen, that could cure her is closer than ever. All right, this thing's just, I don't know if it's going okay for you, but it's just freezing on me like crazy. But you know, the point is making it normal that a teenager collapses in the middle of a soccer game. Yeah, that happens all the time, right? Oh, but it's okay though, because we're revolutionizing this implantable thing we're going to put in her heart and it all works out. Technocracy, great reset, get ready. If you think that's not connected, you are simply not paying attention. I can't believe how obvious that is. Here is another clip that I wanted to play that I thought was really interesting. Now, this is on the CDC breakdown of myocarditis at the end. and There's a question that was asked that I can't believe is just dismissed out of hand, like it doesn't actually matter or that there's some other explanation for why this is. What? Man, okay, guys, there's something strange going on here. It seems like you guys are having an okay issue on your end, but my camera just stopped working. Damn it. Oh, well, (laughs) I guess my camera's not going to work anymore for now. Let's see. Well, let me continue for the moment as we get past this. So share this video if I can get this up. Come on, guys, just get to the end of it here.
4: Have you identified any deaths from myocarditis after the vaccine that met definition? Thank you. Um, sure. Uh, there was one patient who, uh, who had uh, died afterwards, and um, there was myocarditis identified on postmortem. What is unclear is what role the myocarditis played in the patient's demise. That report remains under active investigation. So, um, you know, we don't know at this time um, what role vaccination, uh, or at least what role myocarditis played in that patient's death.
3: that's so important. First of all, he had to correct himself because he's so used to saying, we don't know what role the vaccine played. He pulled back on that because the vaccine is the point. That's what caused the myocarditis. And they admit that. Then they go on to say, well, we don't know. The myocarditis might not have killed him. So now we're quibbling about whether the vaccine adverse event was what caused it or not. Just skipping right over the fact that it caused myocarditis and that he died from it or that he died after it, if you want to be very accurate. But think about how crazy that is. So as always, if there's any risk, there should be choice. And they are literally not allowing choice in children that are the highest risk of getting what is possibly killing them. At the very least, increasing their risk of mortality by potentially 50% over the next three to 10 years. That's an NIH study around mild myocarditis. But that's exactly why you're seeing stuff like this. Well, guess what? Australians who suffer from rare heart conditions after their coronavirus vaccines, which means, by the way, that it is very clearly able to happen. We'll soon be able to access a new government payment. Not only is it happening, but they're paying out for this. While pretending it's super, super rare. And then censoring people like us for even asking, could that be one of them? Fake news. But you just said it's happening. So when you ask whether it's happening, that becomes conspiracy theory after you admit it's happening? Yeah, that's not psychosis at all. And here's the point. By the way, this is an interesting reality of Twitter that you see all the time. The narrative is clearly shifted, I said. Very important to ask ourselves why. And then to remain vigilant against the inevitable return of the agenda from a different angle. I tweeted this back on January 3rd. What's funny though is the tweet that you can see is unavailable. Even when you refresh the page, it's not. It's still there. It's right here. So it's just funny that they, for whatever reason, don't like this to show up. You as you should know by now on Twitter, when you don't have something, it's you get dramatically less. Engagement. So imagine how much engagement it would have gotten if it was showing all of that. But the point is, you can still click it, it'll take you to it. But they don't want you to know it's there, at least my opinion. I find it very obvious that they do that all the time. Here's what it's actually saying 79,000 people. The government now admits to severe adverse side effects, offering some victims over $600,000 in cash and compensation in Israel, or excuse me, in Australia. Think about that. So the U.S. government is right now aggressively denying all this stuff, and they're already paying people out. Are they are they conspiracy theorists now, too? I mean, it just becomes obvious at some point that you have to realize. Remember in the very beginning when it was like everybody everywhere was completely on the same path, and you had like, Mikovits and Butar, and they were these fringe weirdos in their basements, and they're all crazy anti-science? and anything anywhere was fringe basement crazy until finally you had to admit that it was like other governments and entire countries and massively high qualified scientists you know it's so pathetic how they were every step grudgingly clawing back on the narrative when it was been it's been it's been in front of you the whole time if you just cared to look at it you guys know this because you've been following it the whole time Doctors
5: say the benefits far outweigh the risks, but as the vaccine rollout now ramps up through the booster phase, there are a rare few who suffer serious side effects.
3: <laughs> it's the framing. It's
5: always the framing. Now the federal government is offering compensation for anyone who becomes seriously ill after having their COVID shot. It's been a long road to recovery for Matty John.
1: It's a really uncomfortable and um, quite a frightening experience.
5: He felt like he was having a heart attack. Two days after getting the Pfizer vaccine.
1: I just got this sharp pain that I've never experienced before in the center of my chest.
3: Okay, so be clear. First of all, this is something that they're telling you is, is a side effect. This guy's getting money for this, right? So why would we then question if this is happening to athletes at a much higher level of physical, of physical fitness? Or why wouldn't we question whether it's happening to children? Why would we question it at all? If it's very clearly happening and the Australian government is right now paying them out and your government's admitting quietly over here and left and right that myocarditis is there and and it's all happening. And don't wait. Can't wait for the end when I show you the study that shows you that how dramatically they increase the myocarditis with every booster shot as they try to force in your child's arm again. Let's finish this. Diagnosed
5: with severe pericarditis, he was off work. For ten weeks,
1: you're constantly worrying. I suppose that anxiety around. I suppose we're talking about your
5: heart. (sighs) He's not alone. It's estimated seventy nine thousand people have suffered
3: adverse. Damn it! I'm just really frustrated by why this stuff is the streamyard for whatever reason. There, it just froze on me again.
5: Doctors say the benefits far outweigh the risks, but as the vaccine rollout now ramps up through the booster phase, there are a rare few who suffer serious side effects. Now the federal government is offering compensation for anyone who becomes seriously ill after having their COVID shot. It's been a long road to recovery for Matty John.
1: It's a really uncomfortable and um, quite a frightening experience.
5: He felt like he was having a heart attack, two days after getting the Pfizer vaccine.
1: I just got this sharp pain that I've never experienced before in the centre of my chest.
5: Diagnosed with severe pericarditis, he was off work for 10 weeks.
1: You're constantly worrying, I suppose, that anxiety around, I suppose, we're talking about your heart.
5: Maddie's not alone. It's estimated 79,000 people have suffered adverse reactions to vaccines. Now the government's offering compensation. Claims under $20,000 will need evidence from your doctor. Claims over $20,000 assessed by a team of legal experts. The highest figure reserved for only the most serious of cases. I think it could cost the government a lot of money. Daniel O'Pare works at Shine Lawyers. He's looked closely at the government scheme. If you do suffer pericarditis, it, it can... Uh, result in you being out of pocket um, you know you might have to see a cardiologist you might need procedures or die um, you know that so too it is definitely appropriate that there is a vaccination scheme mm-hmm. there to compensate those people but like all schemes there are limitations to make a claim you must spend at least one night in hospital and that's Jeez. a cause that makes Matty john ineligible he was admitted to hospital twice but never stayed the night it
1: is a little bit frustrating Um, and out of pocket a fair bit but in saying that too um, it is what it is and um,
5: that's life the scheme is now open nick hose seven news
3: how incredible is that oh so you didn't suffer from the thing we gave you then no, that we don't give you any money right we oh you didn't suffer from the thing we're pretending isn't real Nah, we don't give you anything we only give it to the ones that might sue us you know it's incredible and meanwhile, don't forget, this is something that right now over here is being censored in fake news and conspiracy theory. It's just crazy how obvious this is in so many different ways. Now, going forward to finish this off, large British study finds risk of myocarditis doubles after each mRNA jab right now. Here's a study. You can look at it for yourself. It's just baffling to me. I'm baffled, guys. I'm baffled. An association between COVID infection and myocarditis was observed in all ages, all ages for both sexes. How long have I been telling you that? This whole thing that it was only young boys was such a flagrant lie from day one, but was substantially higher in those older than 40. So the guys, the people over 40 years old have the highest risk of getting an increased risk of myocarditis with every booster. It doubles with every booster, and we're going to keep giving this to people, so we're being told. Trust the science, though, right? Well, just one last point, and I think I'm going to leave off. I'll go over it real quick since we did it almost all the way through. Thank you, Liquid, for pointing out vaccines. We haven't talked about this a lot, but there's a lot of these. And this is why I want to read you these two tweets. My first-hand knowledge of a vaccine-related death. Local farmer, builder, early 60s. And obviously, we should point out these are just subject. It's what they're saying. I can't verify them. First jab, bad reaction, causing spasms, numbness in limbs, pressure to take second, massive reaction, paralysis of limbs, dead within a month. This was a fit, active man I saw weekly. You know we're hearing that everywhere, and there's plenty of, vindic- of valid stories that you can prove just like that. Then he says, the healthy truck driver's son of a friend had heart failure not long after being double jabbed. He collapsed over the steering wheel of his truck while driving a big rig, fortunately not killing himself or anyone else on the road, and now he might have to have a heart transplant. accidents indeed. How many of those are happening? Remember, we already showed you there's been a dramatic spike in traffic accidents just in 2021. That was halfway through the year, but let's pretend like it's just because people were confused and haven't been driving as much as they used to, which is what they're uh, it, it, They have such flimsy arguments. It's obvious. And all of that being said, don't worry though, because COVID vaccines for Israeli babies and toddlers are already expected by April. It's already coming your way in Israel for children, for babies, toddlers. Despite all the stuff we just showed you, despite the myocarditis risk, despite the brain, despite everything, despite the immune-mediated hepatitis risk that's confirmed. Who cares about any of that, though? Because this child who has a 0% risk of dying, who has a less risk than the flu, who doesn't need this thing in general, we're going to put it in their arm because we want to. Because we want to protect ourselves, because of the agenda, because of who knows why. But there is nothing that scientifically validates what that, what is happening right there. Nothing. And then finally, to end on a positive note, something that will make Alex Bernison's head explode. Cannabis compounds prevent coronavirus from entering human cells, study finds. Not the first one we've talked about. We've talked about this more than once. And I'm jokingly say Alex Bernison's head explode because he just is, for some reason, just aggressively unwilling to acknowledge that he's wrong about cannabis and always has been. Same people lying about cannabis are the same ones he acknowledges lie about coronavirus and, and the vaccines, but still doubles down on schizophrenia. And then the gateway theory, which are just crazy to me, makes me question everything else if, that's, if you still pretend those things make sense. January 12th, 2022, cannabis compounds prevent coronavirus from entering human cells. Gee, it must be why I'm completely unaffected by probably a lot of people out there. But here's what it says. A new study published by researchers at Oregon State University found hemp compounds have the ability to prevent the virus that causes COVID-19 from entering human cells. Interesting. You know what else does that? Ivermectin. But, interesting, hemp, known scientifically as cannabis sativa, well, that's not true at all. I don't know. I, I actually know why this continues to happen. It's even in the study, by the way. For those that are even remotely educated on under, on the genus of cannabis and the different parts of it, hemp and, and marijuana, right? I mean, <laughs> the idea... I mean, it's just funny to me. The, the, I, just a quick note. The reason that even in here, it argues that hemp is called cannabis sativa is because they it, it stems to government studies and how wildly uneducated they are about this topic, or maybe they intentionally so. That if you look at these NCBI studies in the past, they argue that hemp is cannabis sativa. Cannabis sativa is a is a variant of... Gen, uh, it's it's a form, Hemp and marijuana, let's say, are all cannabis, right? But hemp is a very different form. And under marijuana, there's cannabis sativa, there's cannabis indica, and there's cannabis ruderalis. Those are three different strains under marijuana. Hemp is not just cannabis sativa. Cannabis sativa is in fact high in THC. Hemp is not. It just blows my mind that we're reading scientific publications that <laughs> don't have no idea about. The... Really? Anyway, that aside, it just blows me away. Here's what it's finding, which is really important. Cannabinoids which is important. Also important to understand that you get cannabinoids from all of this, hemp and marijuana. Now, specific types of cannabinoids do different kinds of things. For instance, CBD is what you get in a lot of hemp and a lot of uh, specific CBD variants of marijuana that are bred that way to have low THC. Not all hemp, by the way, low, you can, but specifically hemp is mostly for Mercantile rope, all sorts of different things. In fact, hemp is probably one of the most versatile plants on the planet. Could all could genuinely change the world if we allowed it to be used like it used to be. Not an accident, totally different story. I'll talk about for a year and a half if I start talking about it. But the point being, it's not it, It's there's cannabinoids in all of this, and cannabinoids are the important part of what's called the entourage effect. Because if you if you block out just THC and take CBD, that's a good effect but it doesn't really do everything. If you block out CBD and just take THC, also very positive in a lot of health focused ways. And just so we're clear, we're not even talking about smoking it, which also does have the positive health effects. I'm talking, if you want to just take this as just health, just take the plant, grind it up and drink the damn thing. That's, that's, I mean, in my opinion, but the, or, or vaping all sorts of other ways you can do it. But the entourage effect comes from combining those two things. THC and hemp, which by the way, shocking, it's the natural, it's what you would normally get from naturally growing things. So in regard to cannabis, that creates the entourage effect, which is literally meant to work with your body. I mean, this is not even a joke. Most people don't even know your body has a cannabinoid system and that's whether or not you've ever smoked cannabis or your family or anybody smoked cannabis. Parents or specifically women who have children, whether or not they've ever smoked cannabis, Produce cannabinoids in their breast milk. Guys, their body is meant to work with this. Nothing else is like that. Not in this not in this way. So my point is that taking these two things creates what's called the entourage effect, which literally allows your body to in a high level heal itself. This is these are things that we should be taught in school that we intentionally do not get to know. So back to this point, it does not surprise me whatsoever that this miracle plant has yet another way to save you. It says in follow-up virus neutralization assays cannabiogerolic acid and cannabidiolic acid, I'm probably mispronouncing those, prevent uh, acid from either versions of these can different versions of acid in the cannabis plant prevented infection of human epithelial cells by a pseudovirus expressing the SARS-CoV-2 spike protein and prevented entry of live SARS-CoV-2 into cells. Now they go on to say and this is the important part, the same thing I point out in studies about everything else they're only talking about and studied alpha and beta. So that does not necessarily mean that it will work for these new things, especially considering these new things might not even being connected to those things. Regardless though, alpha variant and beta variant they're talking about. This is orally bioavailable and with a long history of safe human use. Don't you love that? This is a, this is a major study and a major publication that, again, <laughs> I see Alex Burns that explode. Right there, long history of safe, safe human use. But he would tell you would kill you and gateway theory and whatever else. But these cannabinoids isolated in or in hemp extracts have the potential to prevent as well as treat infection by SARS-CoV-2. That is huge, huge. Taken in conjunction with vitamin D, vitamin C, healthy, exercise, working out, everything else you want to talk about, you're already good. Your body in most cases and most people in most ages are already good, that you would already fight this off right now. That's why they're so desperate. And I think to stop this from happening in so many different ways, whatever you're talking about, cannabis or whatever else, maybe why from the very beginning, you weren't allowed to use or discuss things like cannabis, just a thought, but to end on something positive, I do think that's a good thing. And I do think if you tap into the mainstream, you'll find much less people, much fewer people that are, I guess, understand the truth about cannabis and what it can do for your body. Whereas people in the counter-establishment situation are much more pro- are more prone to do so. So that makes sense to me. Maybe while you're seeing a lot more people that don't take the injection who are counter-establishment who aren't getting sick. Just a thought. At the very least, you should know what can actually help you. As they all double down on why the injection is the best thing to do. Oh, I forgot to point that out. That's why I highlighted this from this page. just want to include that if you see that the, every article, study and otherwise, no matter what, Despite what they're finding, no matter the finding shows you that it's the worst thing you could do. They will always start with something like this as a complement to vaccines, or they'll end with, but, 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 vaccines are safe and effective because they know they have to. Otherwise, they will get attacked. They will lose their funding. So why in the world would that be a complement to vaccines? If you can take cannabinoids and it will block entry of SARS-CoV-2, why would you need a vaccine? <laughs> it doesn't make sense to me, but they know they had to say that. That's the reality, right? We are living in a, in a controlled situation, and it's all pulling back right now. To go back to the beginning of the show, do not fall for it. They are not waking up. They are not changing their minds. They are they are calculatingly rolling back their narrative. They are fortifying. They are they are they are retreating and fortifying and waiting for you to relax. And they're going to push back in. That's what's happening. I may as well just finish with this same point and the show. Exactly what's happening right now. Don't fall for it, guys. I love you all as always. Question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant.
2: How it gets to the point well, where I think things get to terrible places one tiny step at a time. You know, if I encroach, I, if I encroach on you, and I'm sophisticated about it, I'm going to encroach two millimeters. I'm going to encroach right to the point where you start start to protest. Then I'm going to stop. Then I'm going to wait. Then you're going to calm down. Then I'm going to encroach again right to the point where you protest. Then I'm going to stop. Then I'm going to wait. And I'm just going to do that forever. And before you know it, you're going to be back three miles from where you started. And you'll have done it one step at a time. And then you'll go, oh, how would I get here? And the answer was, well, I pushed you a little farther than you should have gone. And you agreed. And so then I pushed you a little farther than you should have gone again. And you agreed. And if anybody's interested in this sort of process, and this is a horrifying book. If you want to read about how this process works, you can read a book called ordinary men.